From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we enjoy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya, we're talking about science fiction film, The Discovery. It's a 2017 film available on Netflix. Uh, in today's episode, we will reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of the narrative and film language, Plus a deep dive into a specific piece of science. I know I'm looking forward to Surrey's juicy science all over this podcast uh, and that the filmmakers were proposing. The Discovery 2017 is basically about a scientist who reveals that there is an afterlife. And then we jump a couple of years into the future and really debate, is that the truth or not? Is it a good thing to it, know this or is it a bad thing to know this? That's right. So we will not go any further without warning you. Spoiler warning. To stop this podcast and come back after you have watched it. Yes. <laughs> you could watch it while we talk about it, but we might say something in the next 30 That's, seconds that just totally ruins it. We will it. say something in the next 30 seconds. Yeah, now that I've thought that, oh, this is what happened. No, I won't say it anymore. So, yeah. Warning, turn back and come back and tune back into what we are going to talk about, The Discovery. The Discovery uh, was written by Charlie McDowell and Justin Ladder and also directed by Charlie McDowell. And these two guys are a talented young bunch of filmmakers. And I say bunch because there's kind of these two and another couple of crew that have worked together on a few different projects before the discovery name one of them oh I, that was on imdb earlier <laughs> <laughs> i know i, I can uh, see in the notes that you didn't have any written down no so that's right you're just trying to trick me <laughs> there's some that, yeah. tv in there and there's some movies i don't know no i can't remember They're working, it, it happens a lot though doesn't it where you get yeah. the, the one crew works together yeah yeah you hey you and i like working together you work together right yeah, we just haven't got a feature film out yet. No, one day, one day. One day, it'll be Space Brains the musical. Yes. <laughs> so, sorry, what was your number one takeaway from The Discovery? My number one takeaway, in The Discovery, it is implied that the large majority of suicidal people are agnostic or atheist. Okay. And they don't say that directly, except... The premise of the discovery is that there is an afterlife. Mm -hmm. And having had this revealed, the suicide rate jumps enormously it as does. people are trying to get there. Which, of course, I'm not sure there's any religions out there which don't say there is an afterlife. So presumably, all those religious people who believe there is an afterlife, why aren't they committing suicide now? Well, I can speak from a Catholic upbringing 
that if you do commit suicide as a Catholic, you go to hell. This is a convenient so, thing they throw in their religion, isn't <laughs> there's it? A, there's a clause, isn't there? There's like the afterlife, heaven. You and 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 further to that, so that's like that's the worst case scenario. But even if you're a saint, right in the yeah. in Catholicism, you have to like it, you have to be a total saint to maybe make it in the door to the actual heaven place. All right. All right. So like, not everyone gets into heaven as a Catholic. They've got to like earn it they've got to be really damn good to kind of get there and that's where they invented purgatory so it's like oh you live hey you worked all your life you were married you had some children don't know what that's in heaven (laughs) that's that's he's calling me next week on (laughs) the pope he's our special guest to talk about the afterlife um that's where i think they also invented the idea of purgatory as a good way of convincing the everyday person that you know the, the everyday person goes i'm going to hell but i have been good and they're like oh yeah you've been kind of good but you're going to the medium place and then if you're really good in the medium place you might make it to the you know through the golden but gates in, in of course <laughs> the discovery it's after revealing there is an afterlife presumably like because there's, there's currently a suicide rate there's a certain yep. number of people that uh for whatever reason take their own life Mm -hmm. but in the discovery on discovery that there is an afterlife scientifically for sure yeah the suicide rate you know goes up enormously it's not clear as to whether that four million figure is only in the united states or Mm -hmm. worldwide i think it's probably just the united states i think it must be because it's not very big for worldwide no but the uh yeah that number goes right up so that would mean that there must be a backlog of people who are yeah, close or considering or would not have a problem if only they knew that there was some place to go afterwards. Yeah, definitely. Which would mean that they weren't religious people. Because yeah. as you said, you're basically Catholic. And, and I, I remember I, I went to a, you know, a uniting church mm. school. Yep. And, and yeah, suicide was a, is like a, a no-no. Like you yes. don't get there yeah, yeah. by killing yourself. Yeah, yeah. You get there by, you know, loving Jesus or, or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Whatever that may mean per Christian sect. But it does, of course, mean, though, then that, yeah, you'd think, okay, that's that would still be in place for your, for your Catholics and your Christians and so mm. forth. And, and I think most other religions have something similar that says, yeah, yeah don't go killing yourself. <laughs> because you, you can't go <laughs> tell me if you've got this great afterlife, but you've got you to like earn it by staying alive. Yeah. That means that, yeah, there's just a huge number of suicidal atheists. Yes, the only reason they haven't killed themselves is because they reckon there's nothing afterwards. Mm. And isn't it Jehovah's Witnesses, there's heaven, but only so many people is get in, right? And it's full. And it's, so it's full very quickly. Yeah, so that's yeah. why you, they go like desperately knocking on. Because if you're like, if you really can convince people to become a Jehovah's Witness, like you're getting closer to the door or into the door of heaven, their mm. heaven, their version of heaven. So I guess those people might go, this scientist is saying there's an afterlife, and he's not even a Jehovah's. And it's just a big line. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's just a huge line. Yes. Join the line, it. get your ticket, off you go. I don't know. We're getting off the, the really I, specific thing that we like to talk about, which is science. Sorry. I also <laughs> thought, though, that the number 4 million suicides was remarkably low. Mm-hmm. 
because that's still only about one in a million. Yeah, I reckon that was an underthought. Though. I don't think they thought that through. That I had the same because thought. Like four the, million the, the is guys, too much. The guy's getting off the ferry, meets his brother, mm. and he's like, there's a funeral. He's ah, like, oh, there's another funeral. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, only one in a million people are dying. Like, that's right. I, you know, uh, the state of WA only has a bit over a million people in it. Yeah. So what, one extra person in WA commits suicide that wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, yeah. Like, or even if you're saying, okay, so the worldwide suicide rate is about 800,000 people or something. Mm. So you're uh, timesing by five. So we get about 20 people. So we'd have like 100 suicides rather than 20. Yeah, because well, it, it isn't like 4 million to America's population of like 350 million, isn't that only like half a percent or it's something? 1%, or? No, it's a bit over 1%. 1%? 1%? It's, it's not oh, a lot. Like, no. you know, uh, it's certainly still smaller than most other death rates. Mm, yeah. So I, I so, found that a little bit peculiar, but I would have thought, yeah, there'd be far more. There also would have been far more mass murders, I would have thought. Cause yeah. And they, it and seems that there's you know, an American with a gun itching to shoot someone, <laughs> even now. But if yeah. they went, they've got to, they're going to a, another place. Mm. I'm just, as the woman says in here, I'm just moving them on. Yeah. Relocating them. Not a problem. I would have thought there'd be mass murders or there'd be chaos. Yeah. And I mean, they, they mention, Isla mentions very early, doesn't she? goes, oh, wasn't it, isn't it, oh, I can't remember actually the exact word she says, but she mentions how there was that YouTube su- group suicide of cheerleaders, right? And mm. killing themselves. And it's like, yeah, I think there'd be a... Bu- and, like, you know, the point is she's saying, oh, that's kind of anti-suicide, you know, because it's like you're just... You're actually, like, celebrating suicide. Um, so you think if people are doing that, the number would be a lot higher. You'd also be like, suicide parties. Yeah. But then also deeper than that, wouldn't there also be just more reckless behaviour? Risk-taking. Like, more risk-taking. Because, so, like, why would you... Like, you go, I'm not going to wear a seatbelt or I'm not going to... You know, like... Who really cares? Like, yeah, I'm just going to... I go base jumping. Yeah. Normally, I wouldn't because, Jesus, dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 I'll, no, I'll, I'll walk a ledge, like I'll walk along a skyscraper ledge, you know. See what just, that's all about. Just see, what the, <laughs> see if I can handle it, you know. And, and I'll just, like, drive my car really close to a, you know, a, a broken edge in a mountain or forest or something well, and just be stupid. I, I guess for the sake of the film, they, they weren't aiming at it. Because you'd almost get a post-apocalyptic sort of vibe. You would, you, where yeah, yeah. Religious cults would start up, yeah. which is almost what happens here. Yeah. And then you would certainly get, yeah, you'd think there'd be riots. and. I, I did get the vibe, and I, I, I want to talk about it a bit later, but when we when we start sort of the analysis in film language and stuff, but how it, like you're saying that, but I, I got the vibe, the vibe that they were putting out, like when um, Will, Jason Segal's character, is introduced on the boat and like, it, it's like, he's the only one on this boat. And I get like, it's not summer season going to this Island or whatever, but, and it's obviously really cold, but the vibe very quickly felt like it was pretty empty, you know, like things were down, things were not really happening. So it almost could have been a bit post the pop. It could have, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, it's pretty good. But with but anyway. that in mind though, Mark, Hope, warning, or an experiment? I think this is just total experiment. Isn't experiment? this just like hope? obvious experiment? I, bit, I, I thought it was pretty hopeful, actually. You reckon? Yeah, like the ending, it it had a bit of a hope there. It mm. had this challenge of, you know, the, what's the meaning of life? Yeah. It, is there, you know, um, is there an escape from the sadness of depression? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so forth. 
it didn't have the overall vibe was not uh it was a bit dark it had that similar feeling to like say the lobster or yeah um, yeah uh that that other film we watched recently that likened to the lobster. but I, I can't remember which one it was but anyway <laughs> just, it was only like a couple of films ago freaks no, no like like maybe brother from another planet or something anyway but it, it had the same sort of dull vibe but when you, when you look at the theme of the film it's at the end and it's i thought it was pretty hopeful yeah i i reckon that there's a bit of hope at the end because will um you know when the, when the realization is that the afterlife is actually alternative versus uh, alternative universes of our current existence and then he spent his whole time trying to save her and he does but then he kind of then also remembers her in this next version that that's kind of kind of up hopeful and yes. upbeat but but i just think that if you take the premise of the story i think it's just a massive experiment oh, really is. because it's just it's literally just saying to us well what if we did discover this uh truth about our universe you know because because that's the big thing isn't it like what happens after we die? No one can actually effectively said that. I actually just watched, there's a doco series on Netflix about this. So I think it's about four or five episodes and they delve into things like mediumship, um, people like, you know, people that come back from the dead. Um, what are they called? I can't remember. They're called. Zomb- zombies. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, like people have near, near death experiences and what that experience is like and, and then, yeah, mediumship and the different types of mediumship, you know, the chanting and the chucking in the cards and the healing and just like they kind of like do a whole bunch of that stuff. Uh, and also past life. They have a child that can remember this whole life, yeah, right? Yeah, I've read a few of those sort of stories. Yeah, you know, yeah. so anyway, so that, that's the series about that. So, But the thing is, you watch all that stuff and they have all these different experts, doctors, everything saying all sorts of stuff and people say, swearing by stuff that happened to them that no one could know. And and you're like, yeah, I, I'm open to that. I'm not I'm not against that. But then you also go, yeah, but there's no proof. Like there is no proof. There, is there's there? no way of measuring or determining mm. it. Is the yeah. issue. So imagine if we lived in a world where one day Elon Musk came out and said, "I've got proof of the afterlife." Yeah, Here it is, and right? Peer-reviewed like, scientific, yeah, like demonstration. and, and, and I've, we've spent the last two years. This group of scientists have discovered it, researched it. Here's the academic papers. Good luck. (laughs) And then that's where this film starts, basically, right? So it's like, to me, it's just a real what if, like an experiment. It is, and it's an interesting exploration. And one one thing I have to say is, I really, I really quite enjoyed this movie. I, I think I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Yep. Uh, It starts off with this, you know, afterlife premise, like that's. I think maybe the first sentence out of uh, yeah, Robert yeah, Redford's is. mouth yeah. is proof of the afterlife or something to that effect. Is certainly within the first few minutes, and I thought it was like, oh well, yeah, this this will be kind of interesting. I'll I'll see where this is going to go, and mm. um, I wasn't sure. You know, there's clearly not going to be an action film or a comedy or yeah. a, you know. I thought this this be something to to unravel, but yeah, as the film went along, I got. Um, because you had to ask me about my favourite scene. But I was I, just going to say, yeah, what I is your favourite scene? I more and more <laughs> involved in it because mm. 
much like I really enjoyed Infini for this purpose too. I mean, Infini had a lot of action and good yeah. stuff, but it starts to un- unveil this philosophy. Same yeah. as The Matrix as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and got me thinking, you know, anything that makes my brain think like that. Uh, the Platform was another one. Yeah, The which Platform, yep. Not a lot happens in The Platform, mm. but everything that happens makes you think. Yes. And wonder and question and and the lobster is another one and, that doesn't and the, it, the lobster it? and yeah. I'm goodness me trying to remember what the more recent one was that was like this. Um, I'm in District Nine. Yeah. Uh, Prospect. I mean, a lot of these movies have the same replicas. The thing that I really like about some of these is the the fact that you've got to think. And this movie here, it it built up the thought and it. It followed these paths. It never went hysterical mm. or over the top, yep. or you know, no one was, um, you know, oh, you know, deranged. There, there was none of this kind of, um, you know, ridiculousness mm. that could have easily gone through this film. Yeah, and and that really appeals to me because I'm I'm not a terribly, I like my ridiculousness to be supposed to be ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I love my. Uh, you know uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen films back when he was doing those things and those various <laughs> National Lampoons yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, I love all that sort of stuff. But when you're trying to do something like this and you get ridiculous, oh, I just don't like it. And by the end of it, yeah, I was just I, I fell in love with this film, and more so than just joy watching it, enjoying it for the film and the art, it, it actually it it really it really left a mark on me, made me think about things. I really liked that. Yeah, definitely. So my, the Favorite scene mm. was most of the scenes with with Will's brother, <laughs> Toby. Yeah, Toby, because he was such an interesting character. He was, wasn't he? Because he was a he exemplifies so much of what I was just saying there about not being over the top, not being ridiculous. He could have been a caricature, like a there could have been a whole drama about oh who's the idiot one, and you know because Dad's this brilliant scientist who did this, and Will's a neuroscientist who helped with this, you know. And, but and that, that sort of raised a little bit, but it wasn't really much. But the whole th- way through, he was, it, it was just kind of, it's just really interesting because mm. he didn't go all drama queen or all like you know um, caricature of the idiot brother, and he wasn't. Yeah, he was just he was just interesting. You know, he plays his guitar in front of these people <laughs> in his jumpsuit. Yeah, and just kind of he does his bit, and he he talks in a very sort of laid back kind of a way, but nonetheless quite sort of you know philosophical in his own way as well. He's a funny character. I agree. He's a funny character because he he also like is a bit of a contradiction, which is what people are. You mm. know, like because he on one side he's in full support of his dad. But then with Will, he's also like, oh, that's what dad's like, you know? Like, yeah. So there's kind of that. But then Will kind of is, Will's got this massive grudge that, you know, is part of the whole story against his dad. And we're trying to figure out what role did Will play. But Toby's kind of like, oh, you know why we're here? We, you know, we're out here doing this. And like when Will kind of confronts him over a couple of things, like, oh, this is a cult. He's like, well, you've got to kind of do something with these people, you know? Like, yeah. like it's sort of, a, so he, it's a contradiction of like, you know, I'd, I'd support this thing that dad's doing because dad's got his own issues, you yeah. know, and then you've got your issues. So yeah, like we're just all kind of getting along. And then, and then, yeah, as you said, playing the guitar, going to get a dead body, the things that 
Toby sort of just does. He like he just he goes with that flow of life a bit, like and, yeah. and it's a real natural and, kind and of contradiction. Yeah, being ridiculous, yeah, or, yeah, or over the top, or having a sudden meltdown, or yeah, yeah, anything like that, which which is so common in films to mm. to spice them up a bit, or yeah, yeah, or to introduce tension or drama. They sort of have someone. It's very understated, a bit isn't it? Over the top, and yeah, it's, and also his sense. in particular, I guess it would be the uh, dead body scene where mm. he's distracting the mortician. <laughs> Coroner, yeah. yeah. Coroner, or yeah, whatever, whatever you call it. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that guy is always in these movies yeah. with dead bodies. That guy again was not a weird guy. You know, quite often in movies, they're weird guys. Those characters. Oh, they're always eating a sandwich. In yeah. The, in the. <laughs> More, you know. <laughs> but they're always they can be like kind of a bit creepy or a bit weird ass. Whereas that guy was just pretty normal. Actually, uh, he was, he he was really quite very ordinary, mm. which is great. So yeah, that that would be it. And you, the science fiction in this, there was a few different aspects. What was your favourite bit? Yeah, well, I was going to say the suicides because I I thought that was extremely realistic. I I do think they didn't go a big enough number. I think they could have jackknifed that number right up there. Mm. Um, like they should have said 40 million. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think, yeah, I don't know if there was just a little bit of an oversight or they didn't realise. I did love that they had these counters yeah, up around the place, like at the hospital, on the ferry. Um, was it at the graveyard or at the at the uh, morgue or whatever? Like they just seemed to have those numbers everywhere. And they, they were like a... Like a telethon counter, were yeah, they of money? The, you know, like the news ticker at the yeah, of the, the TV. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre, but I, I liked that. But I just felt that I, I understand what you were saying, everything about religion and everything before. But it, it it sort of made a hell of a lot of sense to me that people would just go, "Oh, yeah," because I don't like this life. Um, yeah, I'm just going to give another life a go. And it's funny; I'd never thought about it until afterwards, and I was kind of putting some notes together that actually really, it's clever in the writing of this film, right at the start, we have the interview, you know, between um, Robert Redford and um, the interviewer played by Mary Steinberger or Bergen. Um, She, you know, they have that tense interview and then that camera operator just says, uh, you know, thanks for... Tell me I can have another chance. That's it. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's like he literally is saying... I can get I get another shot, right? And which is pretty much the idea of an afterlife. Like I get another shot, but in fact, it's probably better to think about what actually is the outcome of the story. So again, it's that nice writing technique of that. This is the end. Yeah. <laughs> this is like right here. We're telling you exactly what this film is about. Yeah, and we tell you in that opening little moment. Really, you know, it was it was good, stark. Yeah. Yeah, so so the science of it, I like that. I probably also liked how uh, they kind of just magic. I, you know, I'm a big fan of this sometimes in science fiction where you don't have to explain all the science of it. And so, like, they just had that magical machine where Robert Redford yeah. kind of was like, I can film it, you know, and yeah, it wasn't yeah. explained the how the hell. Machine. Yeah, yeah, and it's just this kind of mass amount of wires on plugged onto the person's head. And some sort of voltage, you know, like I, MRI what kind I didn't of. Get was how would that work? I understood the idea of putting it on his head and then flatlining him. Yes, and because I think okay, so that's where they 
you have measured the brain waves leaving yeah. the head, whatever. I didn't make. I didn't quite understand why that would work on a corpse. Mm. But I, you know, like you, I was just like, okay, well, hey, it's the story. Let's get a buy into it. You know, so let's, let's go along yeah. there because you've got an afterlife. Mm. Why can't you measure it from a recent corpse? This doctor says he can. You know, like yeah, let's just okay. go. <laughs> and and realistically, you know, the people in that room. Is he going to explain it to? Because that that can happen, and that can be a bad thing in a movie, right? Like the, the they over-explain the technology. Like, sorry, come in here to my lab. I'll show you exactly how to make a dinosaur. This is how we make a dinosaur. We take a mosquito, <laughs> like that is frozen in time. You know, like like we can just explain the whole science of it, and maybe sometimes films over-explain that, don't they? You know, well, like sometimes films take something that was somewhat mystical and yeah. then give you an overly clunky explanation for it, which is to go, yeah, I preferred it when it was kind of just a mystery. Just a mystery, yeah. It, it made it romantic and magical. Mm. And that was, the, that was the thing that you and I talked about, the lobster, like, this is just what happens. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knows how they turn them into an animal? It, it, they never explain how they turn them into an animal. room, they take them to this room. Take it, yep. And everyone's accepting out. of it. That's just, that's, this is just what happens. This is what they do. Why not? I mean, it's just as crazy as half the bloody social conventions we have these days. When no. someone sneezes, you say, bless you. Yeah. It's like, people just say it automatically. Yep. Why? Like, ah, it's just what you do. You know, <laughs> like, like, you know, you can talk about the, where the origins of it came from, but that's mm. not really, no one says it because of the origins. Mm. They say it because that's what we do. Yep. And um, when you, are not in a partnership for more than 30 days, you become an animal. That's right. That's just what we do. That's exactly right. And mind you though, old Will and his um, dad, uh, what's his dad's name? Thomas. Tom. They knew how this, they, yeah, they'd know. Like Will would already sort of know. He'd go, yeah. because he was up with the, the research and the other people in the room wouldn't, like us, would not have understood. No. But like, like the bit, like I've gone, okay, yeah, they, they obviously pick it up on some sort of brainwave thing. Hmm. I don't know how they do it with a corpse, but they're like they're zapping it, so they're like yeah. they're, they're passing electricity and they're recording the last thoughts or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's um, that's just fine. No, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> what about are you up to any sci-fi oh, look, stuff can, right now? I have just finished the audio book recording the last chapter of my first book. Excellent. Oh, geez, that's taken a bit of a moment. I've got to edit it now. Yep. So, yeah, some of the chapters I was able to read through. And I have a lot of empathy for the audiobook narrators because it's so easy. You're going along nicely, you're enunciating, and then you say you sort of get a little bit too into the reading of the story and not, mm. and not thinking about what you're doing. And then you slur a couple of words. And not you, oh, pronunciation. You stop and you go back and you redo that sentence. And then you, you sort of lose track of the tone of the sentence. And so you stop and you go back. And then you, <laughs> there's this one where there was a, uh, something ended with an SH and then the next word was issues like delish delish issue yeah. and and it was just really hard to issue is, is del, delish, how can I say that so it sounds like horse snorkel try and say horse <laughs> snorkel you, you, it's hard yes yeah so I, I find it's 16 chapters narrated in the process I also then was editing because when you read it out loud and try to make it sound coherent mm. suddenly you realize that you're missing some commas here and there and Maybe there's a couple of phrasings which are hard to say and say, so well, I'll, I'll simplify. So that's all done. So that's nice. Mm, so excellent. it's going to be a new issue of my first book and an audio book version, mm. which is going to be, that's going to be my final 
you know, editing pass. Yep. Uh, and there's a great thing about self-published. Uh, I can re-edit. Re-edit. No one's bought the damn thing yet, so it's not like anyone's going to be missing out. And I've bought a few copies. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, no, like that's what I've been doing. I sold mm. the house. Ah, no. nice. Yay. As, as I said, these past, these past few episodes, three, four, five episodes, basically my life has been consumed with yeah. selling a house and trying to build a new one. Yeah. And that's sort of done. I've got a, we've basically got a, a penciled in moving date where I'm moving mm. out of here. Nice. And uh, we'll be moving to our new studios. Yep. That'll be interesting to see. That will be. And hopefully everyone's noticed the lift in audio quality for these past two episodes yeah uh, we've just got some new equipment and that's from the uh, the donations of uh, the Spielberg Foundation <laughs> yeah and where, where did those donations come from well here let me show you a frozen mosquito well there was a got caught in amber while he was <laughs> reaching right. for his wallet and we drilled in and and just took the wallet. DNA of a wallet and duplicated <laughs> Yeah, and realized we could use his credit card. Actually, this is a magical thing called uh, global shipping from China where it's cheap. <laughs> and yeah. how about yourself? I know you've got a couple of accolades for the memory. Yeah, it's go- it's done all right just suddenly recently. We've, we've had a couple of uh, moments of being picked as a finalist, being picked as a, an award winner, um, best concept film, best horror film at one particular film festival which was interesting or wasn't completely expecting that um so i mean i definitely would put it on i mean to me it's a thriller uh and it is a little bit experimental in its narrative so i don't mind ticking the experimental box but yeah best they want to call it best concept film (laughs) take that uh and then also there was this competition where i i kind of posted unfortunately it sort of all happened with that facebook uh fight with the australian federal government that they blocked my influential website Your news article my site. news article have web, they come my, to negotiate payments for you uh no i haven't i haven't uh, seen a dollar yet <laughs> but they've allowed me back on their platform so maybe it's all fair fair but uh yeah that all happened but there was this other competition festival liftoff which is like a global film network and to kind of get past the first stage um it was like about 100 films it was that it was an audience vote so you had to pay ten dollars us and then that gave you the right to vote for my you know you could watch my film and watch all the films actually for ten dollars and then vote for them and if you did then we kind of got bummed up and yeah we actually somehow managed to sneak in to the i think it's like the top 10 oh, nice. and um there was definitely like i was each day they were emailing saying you know the percentages of votes and stuff and uh ours was kind of lingering <laughs> there quite quite low for some time and then it just jumped up so we got a couple of votes right at the end so that's good but the the benefit from that actually is this liftoff network which i looked into previously like you can become a member it's, you know, like a hundred bucks or something. And then you get access to like, they have festivals all around the world that are all under their umbrella. Um, whereas I think I'm, I'm led to believe that being a finalist for this now means that I can enter all of those competitions. Um, like I'm a member of the club, so to speak, the afterlife club of liftoff. 
And um, so that's a cool little bonus. Yeah. And yeah, it's just also trying to negotiate my current time frame to get myself to make my next film. All right. Speaking <laughs> you know, of, speaking of Australian films, we uh, saw the news that our buddy Luke Spark, yep. Occupation Rainfall, yep. has made some global cinema sales. Yes, he has, hasn't in he? In the United States and in Europe, which is yeah. really exciting for Australian science fiction because that's uncommon. Yes. Yeah. I, and I can only expect it has to do with the delay and setbacks of Disney movies and the AMC cinema complex having troubles mm. that basically there's room for the smaller players yeah definitely who, who get a chance and to be exposed to audiences mm. that don't so so that's it was i was pretty pleased to see that we've got some australian science fiction there and it was uh luke's goal to to get a bit of a name or with some cinema presence yeah definitely so, Hopefully that leads on because I'd love to see some more Australian films. Like mm. if they see that and they go, hey, actually, this is not too bad. We should check out what else is going on down in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Who knows? And it just also gives faith to, uh, you know, outside of funding traditionally, like government funding and stuff. It just gives faith to the people that are willing to invest their money into like maybe Australian genre films. Yes. That's that's the that's the real benefit of someone like Luke Spark. You know, putting his neck out there, putting an idea out there that's way more, you know, a cinema complex film rather than, you know, heavy drama sort of styled Australian content and, or, you know, like diverse content. That They're stories that are important, but they're never, ever going to sell lots and lots of tickets. And so here you have a guy who's got a story that's you know that is a commercial story and and it's also like a big cinema experience story and if you can get a return on the money spent from his investors that means they're willing to invest in other productions like that yeah and so it's only good it's only a good thing yeah yeah it it lifts the um what do you call the the uh i don't know what those things are called Profile. The ceiling. It lifts the profile of Australian cinema. <laughs> it does. It does. great. Yeah. But I, mean, I mean, that's been the bonus. I mean, I, I saw it over January with the school holidays that, you know, we didn't have the normal influx of um, uh, Hollywood films and Screen Australia and a couple other kind of those screen communities were really talking about, you know, there was Luke Sparks' Occupation Rainfall. There was The Dry, you know, the Eric oh, Banner yeah, film. Eric Banner. Um, that became one of the biggest box office hits uh, from Australian film point of view. I think it made over $10 million in its Australian thing, which is pretty good going. That's Um, pretty good. You know, especially when it's a MA, you know, murder thriller kind of film. We've got like one less than a tenth of the population of the States. Yeah. And a good opening week in in the States, if you get, you know, $50, $60 million. Yeah. You know, so we've... Yeah, a ten million take would be the equivalent of like a hundred million take in the mm, states. Yeah, which so is which is pretty decent. The the benefit of no COVID was a because there was that one. I think there was Penguin Bloom, and there was uh, Occupation, and there was I think there was another one as well. Oh, I'm running my brain's running a bit dry on it, but um something Open Country or something, and you know like they were all kind of pretty small budget uh, Aussie films, those ones, the dry and that, and they, they all had a pretty good successful run, 
you know, at the box office. Um, and Australians seemed to be willing to pay for them as well, which was great to go see them. So, yeah, you need you need more and more of that, obviously, all the time. Um, and it is hard when then they come up against Thor or something <laughs> and the advertising revenue that those films can produce. But, you know, the more that those films are doing well and making money, again, it's just that cycle of supply and demand and investment and returns, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think the streaming services, particularly because now like Disney has streaming and they actually came out and said that this is the new normal for cinema now. Yeah. The new normal for cinema is a streaming release, a box office release, however you want to watch it. It yeah. works fine because Disney will win with their their Marvel films and shows if they think they're going to be great, they'll do both. If yep. they think they're just streaming or they might just do cinema, you know, like it'll mix it up. But that does give more room. Mm. It means that there's going to be all the cinemas going, well, we can't rely on this influx of mega mm. feature films. Yep. We can start looking for more, you know, um, we do more risk-taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which would be good. But we should probably get into the discovery because it's quite a discovery of a film for me. <laughs> Did you blossom during this film? Did you no, open up? Did you I died saw a little new inside. things? You died a little. Okay. But that's okay because there's something else beyond death. That's right. So Charlie McDowell and Justin Ladder are the writers and... Charlie also took the realms in directing. Uh, some of the actors that we have, uh, Rooney Mara plays Isla. Jason Seagal, or Seagal <laughs> um, as Will Harbour. Uh, Jesse Plemons as Toby Harbour. That's uh, what we're talking about, the Thanks. brother character. Toby, quite a quirky role there. Riley Keough as Lacey. Uh, Robert Redford. I do like a bit of Robert Redford. He's characterful, isn't he? Yeah. Um, as Thomas Harbour and Ron Canada as Cooper, who's the sort of scientist assistant older man. Uh, and Mary Steinbergen is just at the start as the interviewer, but I do like Mary. I've seen her in a lot of films over the years. Ted Danson's wife uh, as well. And um, so she's a bit of a power player. You know, she's played a lot of those mum kind of characters, but also played a lot of kind of key key female characters in a bunch of films, not just science fiction films. So she's a strong actress. Uh, I really like her. Uh, yeah, and basically this is another one, like Freaks, that Netflix just went, bang, we want this film uh, and we want the whole distribution. Or, or I think actually it's probably not quite like Freaks. It's more like I Am Mother. As in, if you remember with I Am Mother, Grant Spatore was talking about we would have done a cinema release and Netflix just bought it. Yeah. And so we didn't do a cinema release, right? So, so we, we, the film cost $15 million and we're like, well, we want to make 15 million. And Netflix is like, there's a check for $15 million. I'm like, glad you had some sound effects there. Yeah, I did. There's the a, hand there's waving a, was just not going to do <laughs> I it. Know, I suddenly thought, I'm not on video right now. Uh, and uh, it was planned for a 2017 release on Netflix, which happened. It also had its premiere at Sundance Film Festival, which, as I can say, as a filmmaker entering all sorts of film festivals, Sundance is kind of right at the top there. Um, it is also a little bit of insider trading going on here. Do you know why? Insider trading, Sundance, Robert Redford. Yes. <laughs> His company started Sundance. Um, I always, I I knew a bit about Sundance, but I thought when I read this, I'm like, yeah, what is the gossip here? Because he is in this film and it's premiered at Sundance. 
but looking into it, you know, he had a lot to do with Sundance 50 years ago. <laughs> his company, he didn't even set it up. The guy that ran his film production company set up Sundance. There's a whole bunch of names. You can go online and look it up. But really that has even sort of been relinquished in the 90s. Um, so there is a connection, but it's not quite as connected. But then you do wonder, don't you, if Sundance kind of go, Robert Redford's in a film, yeah, we better put it in. <laughs> or not. Are you saying there's no bias, Sorry. I think it was a worthy addition to Sundance. Like it's a sort of movie. Like it's yeah, it's thoughtful. It's uh, well acted and designed. And mm. uh, I, it's not like um, they suddenly pulled some weird left field film and chucked it in there. No, but it's it, sort of going through things. Like, it's not like a, a, a collection of TikTok videos that's through together. <laughs> well, that would make an interesting film now for Sundance, probably. Um, I think it does probably meet the criteria of Sundance because it's like a real indie film in that, you said it earlier, not big explosions, not big action, but it's all about like a promise of a premise, a question, a what if, and that plays out pretty pretty strongly with these actors. So let's get stuck into talking a bit about, more about the film language overall and how they put this film together, the good. Um, before I start, and I mentioned a little bit before that, well, it, the film was a bit depressing. It was a bit post-apocalyptic in style. I want to go a little bit further. And th this was standing out to me in the first five to ten minutes. And then I really appreciated it as the film just kept going, which is, did you notice it's wet, it's gloomy, it's cloudy, it's dark, it's shadowy, it's lonely, it's empty, there's a truckload of water in this film. There's oceans, there's wakes, there's rain, there's uh, hosing down of things. The ferry. <laughs> there's the ferry, there's the ocean again, there's the river or whatever. Um, and like I, you know, I noticed this very quick and things are wet, like the windscreen is wet and the road is wet and they cross uh, Isla and Will at one moment. They're, they're having a scene where they're returning the body. They cross a river. Are you they know, like park? The, in the car park is a big puddle. There's and puddles. Very, very specifically, the truck splashes, splashes into yeah. this puddle and stops. Yes. Where getting out, you're going to get wet. Now, so that's one thing. So it's all dark, gloomy, wet, rainy, all that sort of stuff. What does what does water symbolise, Surrey, in um, sort of film literature and, and that? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot water here. Water symbolises... Well, I would suggest water is of the river Styx. Uh, the ferry crossing they do at the very start, in mm, fact, which, yeah. as we learn later on, is literally his repeat point on death. Mm, yeah. He's crossing over yeah. the, uh, to continue his, his continuous afterlife. Yes. So traditionally, I mean, look, water symbolically can be stuff to do with, you know, refreshing your oneself and that kind of stuff but you've hit the nail on the head it's it's traditionally especially in films been used as a crossing point from one world to another you know and i mean it's it's symbolic isn't it if you cross from one side of a river to another like on a boat or a ferry or a um a bridge you are kind of crossing from one side to the other but in uh films you know you might have someone like drowning in a bathtub and then they cross over to the afterworld or whatever right and um and, uh, and films have done that so yeah it's i think in this film all that water is about the 
crossing over, you know, the, the afterworld and all that kind of stuff. Um, there is a not a science fiction film that is quite similar, and I do wonder, and it'd be great if Charlie or Justin could answer this question for us, is uh, there's a really old film. Really <laughs> this old. is going back, back. It's a French film called, uh, I think, Le Diabolique. There's my French accent. Always uh, oh, it Le Diabolique. Oh, Le Diabolique. Okay. Oh, or just translated to Diabolique. <laughs> Diabolic, all right, which uh, came out in 1955. It's a great horror thriller film uh, where kind of, you know, you have like a, a love affair going on between a principal and his assistant or I think she's a teacher by memory or something and then his wife and they kind of plan to kill the husband and then it's sort of like the whole thing's a trick. I won't give it away, but there's this sort of double... Um, what is it? Double crossing going on. That's mm. what I'll say, right? But, but it is such a good film because it's just saturated with water the whole freaking film, right? There's just water all the way through it. It's raining. It's wet. It's gloomy. Things are wet. There's a pool in the school that's like gross and dirty and all this kind of stuff. So it's like um, when they drive, it's raining. It's and it, so when I was watching this in the first ten minutes, I was just like, oh my goodness, they're connecting back to that film. Um, this film was remade in Hollywood in 1996 with Sharon Stone as one of the characters, <laughs> um, and it's that's a, that's a pretty cool remake. But go back and watch the original if you have some time. It's nothing to do with science fiction, but but it, it's a good kind of connection. I I feel like Justin and Charlie brought that up. I'd be surprised if they didn't realize they were doing that. Yeah. I- Often you you got to expect it like yeah. this sort of uh, strong movie filmic language to, when it repeats like that it's because yeah. uh, it's been influential it's it's been powerful definitely so check it out so at the start of this film we have this really interesting scene again film language wise we kind of come in on you know an out of focus camera focusing we have uh, Robert Redford being mic'd up he doesn't kind of look very impressed he's you know. Uh, we have Mary um, sitting down next to him, starting to kind of like quiz him. He, he, you know, straight away, even before the interview begins, and we sort of notice that it's an interview, film interview set. Um, there's a cameraman, there's lighting guy, Mike, whatever. They're all sort of like setting up for this interview. It's it seems very tense, very quickly, doesn't it? Mm. And um, then she starts kind of really quizzing him and getting into him. So maybe she's a current affairs or something like that. I don't know. Hard copy. <laughs> As they do on The Simpsons, hard copy. Um, so something like that. And the camera is kind of cutting from, you know, what we see as an audience to also the camera filming uh, Robert Redford. Uh, and they have this, tensions are really high and they're debating this idea that six months prior, um, Dr. Harbour, which is played by Robert Redford, has revealed there is an afterlife that there he can is. scientifically prove an afterlife. And I do and like his answers to these questions. I do too. Science and she asks, what is it? He says, all I know, it's there. Yeah, it's there. That's all I can tell you. That's right. So he kind of, it's, yeah, that's what I mean. It's a really tense kind of scene between the two and it sets up where we are. And then the... Well, well she also then brings up the suicide rate has yep. increased. Do you feel any responsibility? He says, no. No. And to me, it... it 
I said just about out loud to us, says, no, what? of course it's not his. Like, mm. they're making the choice. He's only said there was an afterlife. Yeah. That he hasn't gone and said you should kill yourself. Yeah, like that's was well, uh, Ford responsible fact, for people dying in car accidents? Well, I mean, my very first thought was, okay, so there's an afterlife. Um, what is it? Mm. Is it better than mm. this one? Yeah. Is it worse than this one? Is it, do the religious people have it correct in that suicide is a surefire way of damnation? Mm. You know, is the way you die uh, carried over into the afterlife? Yeah. You know, I I don't have enough information to make that decision. I'm enjoying well enough, or I know this life, and mm. I know it can be good. I mean, there'd be people who don't know that yeah. can be good, but it would be a foolish choice to kill yourself early. Yeah, because that's gonna ha- you're gonna die anyway. That's right. You will find out what the afterlife is. Yep. You will get there. Yes. That's not a problem. No, <laughs> that's guaranteed. Hurry. You may as well explore this life as much as you can. Yeah. Mind you, I'm just realizing as I'm saying this, um, this is a very optimistic person. Yeah. I mean, I am. I, I'm, I'm an optimistic person at the worst of times. And, uh, you know, so I'm sort of thinking, yeah, like, this, this world, like, like, it just seemed premature. Okay, there's an afterlife. Fantastic. But, uh, you know, he's this guy, he shoots himself. The camera operator yeah. gets up and says, thanks for giving me a fresh start or saying I've got another shot, whatever it was. And then, I wanted to stop and say, whoa, whoa, how do you know you're getting mm. a fresh start? Yeah. How do you know your afterlife isn't just you repeatedly shooting yourself in the head? Mm. How do you know, in fact, he said we measured the brain waves leaving. You might need your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and you've just put a bullet in it. Are you yeah. going to be brain damaged in the afterlife? Mm. Would you be better off have shot yourself in the heart? Mm. So anyway, that's, it's a, I think it's fair enough here to say, no, why would I be responsible? He's not responsible at all. So we go to the wake of a boat, and I thought, oh yeah, the wake. The wake is very symbolic, isn't yes. it? You know, uh, the white frothy thing behind a boat. Uh, and Will is staring at the wake, and he then like enters this ferry. No one else seems to be there. Sits down. TV in the background is kind of rattling on about that. There's four been four million suicides. I think when they did the interview, there'd been a million suicides. So yeah, and they're coming you know, up to the two-year anniversary. Two-year anniversary of so it. So they're then, expecting there's going to be another rash. Yeah, it's going to be another big jump. Um, he sort of fed up with it, gets up, turns it off. You're getting the impression that he's not too impressed with this whole, uh, you know, scientific discovery. Uh, a woman calls out uh, that she was listening, and she's kind of a young blonde, um, pretty dishevelled, hot mess. Yeah, immediately, uh, they <laughs> you know, like immediately portrayed her perfectly as you can tell she's troubled because like she's got that weird fur coat. Thing. Yeah, her hair is dyed, bleached, mm. but like the black roots are showing. Black root. Yeah, she and looks like trouble. Something Let's just about put her a... immediately says, "Yeah, she's troubled." Yeah, like I know whether it seems it's, it's a stereotype. It's I think but... stereotype isn't yeah. it? But that's what you got to do. You got to introduce things quickly, don't you? So Will comes over. They kind of strike up an awkward conversation um he reveals a couple of things one is that he's a neurologist he sort of doesn't really agree with this suicide idea he doesn't really know about the afterlife um she is sort of saying that she doesn't agree you get the impression from her i got the impression pretty quickly that yeah like you just said she's a troubled person and she's kind of a bit bitter that everyone's just killing themselves because there's going to be a better life yeah 
and the impression I'm getting is that she just wants to actually kill us. Yes. <laughs> right? That's the kind of subtext that's coming through. She, do, um, she, doesn't, she doesn't care if there's a better life. He, he offers her uh, nausea medicine. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. he gets vertigo. He, he gets vertigo. And so he, he offers that to her and she goes, oh, what do you think? I'm the kind of girl who just takes pills of a stranger. And again, see, this is a bit suicidal, isn't it? It's like, and then she just takes one. Yeah, she just know? takes it. Yeah. Well, it, it's really cool there because when she asks him, you don't believe in this, he says, well, I just diagnosed a young woman with brain mm, tumor. Yeah. Inoperable. And she took the diagnosis like she just won the lotto. She had the winning yeah. lottery ticket. Yep. And... I, see, I would have thought, though, oh, that's actually pretty good because she's going, oh, well, cool. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. This is, and I've got somewhere to go. Like, I would find that very comforting. Mm. I've, I have to admit that even when I say, well, I don't know what there is, but if I got diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor, like now without knowing, mm. I'd be like, oh, that really bites. Yeah. But if I knew there was an afterlife, even though it could be a good or a bad one, who knows? The point is kind of like, Oh, I guess yeah. I look forward well, you're to still, it. Well, you still, it's not the end, yeah, is it's it? Like, you know, that's yeah. the whole, I think that's the whole thing. And like, when I'm talking to my family, it'd be like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to die in six months, but, you know, at, I'm not gone. I'm, I'm just going I'll for be in another tra- world. Yeah. Travel, I'm traveling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they get off on the pier. Yeah, they're on the pier. Um, she's trying to pick up a, a, a lift and he kind of continues the conversation he reveals that he died or almost died as a kid. and He was dead for what, up to a minute or something? Yeah, and it was something to do with he saw a flash of a person, maybe his brother. Yeah. Um, playing on the beach. And they yeah. were playing on the beach. Yeah. Um, but, but he says, oh, it was a, you know, it was a dream. It was like, it was like a vision. Yeah. And, I, and it, it was an interesting sort of line he said because you notice that they kind of also brought that up a couple of times throughout the film was... I know, I know later Isla mentions it as well that, um, you know, like the time that when you know you're having a dream, when you ha- know you're having a dream, but you can't like get yourself out of it sort of thing, you know? And I think even Toby mentioned something about having a dream as well. So it's like, sort of like there's three or four times where they also bring up the factor of dreams because everything you say with the afterlife, like it could just be dreams, dreams. couldn't it? You know, like your mental, your mind. That's the thing, going back to what I said before about people that are near-death experiences, there's no proof that they go down, they talk about, oh, I was floating above myself or I was was going down a corridor and there was a white light and there was my nana at the end. Well, that all could just be your brain dealing with the situation that you're dying. Yeah, you're basically going unconscious. Yeah, yeah, and that's your subconscious just coming through, which is the same thing that can happen when you're dreaming because every now and then you have those dreams that are like, Crazy ass dreams, right? Yeah. <laughs> we all have them. Um, so she leaves. She gets a ride. Hot girl theory, yeah. which is so true. I'm surprised that three cars went past her. To be honest, yeah. You know who was driving those cars? And the guy that's like picking her up, he's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he pull over? Uh, the, then here comes your favorite actor, Toby. Tobes. Tobes rocks up. Tobes comes along. It's, it's a bit of a beat up old truck. It's not like anything flash. Yeah. And picks him up, and they they get in, and they they sort of talk a bit, you know, Dad. And this is where it's revealed actually, Dad is uh, Thomas yes. Harbour. Yeah, because Will re- uh, in, interviews himself, uh, introduces himself as Will Robinson. 
Yes. Which is from Lost in Space. <laughs> Danger Will. That's right. Yeah, it's quite funny, I thought. But yeah, and they, they, they go along and they have a little chat and you get this this kind of relationship between the brothers. A very brother relationship. It you is, know, they, yeah. They don't not hate really. each other. They're not, like, they're just kind of, they're really familiar yeah. with each other. Like, you know, they're just very, they've, they've been around each other a lot, mm. you know, but they're not like, you know, high-fiving and hooting <laughs> and hollering and talk about all the good times. But at the same time, they're, they're not antagonistic. Mm. It's, it's very much like when I get picked up my, my older brother. Mm. You know, like, um, yeah, you know, we're, we're friendly. We know each other. We've, we've been brothers all our We lives. know each other. <laughs> you know, it's... I know you. You know me. It's good. You know, we're comfortable. It's, yeah. You know, nothing... It's far worse. Yeah, like there's no problems. And, and yeah, it's it's sort of you get the... Okay, he's... They go off the path and through like a gate. And they come they, across... They pass that funeral as well. Oh, the, the funerals and, I've seen has been yeah. so many funerals. And also Toby's like lighting a cigarette, not driving, a bit dangerous. That's what I was saying about people I reckon would start acting way too dangerously. Yes. Not necessarily... I think this is the thing. People would commit suicide, definitely, but far more people would just act more recklessly. Oh, yeah. Well, you wouldn't you know. have that saying, oh, I could have died. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. You know, <laughs> it's, as uh, I think, I don't know, no one pointed out this film, but uh, I'm reading a bit about life and death and so forth. One of the problems is it's very rarely that people are just in binary states of life or death, there's mm. usually degrees of death. Yeah. And that's where in the issues lie. Mm. Being dead's not a problem. No. Like, being dead. alive's not a problem. It's it's that in-between point where you're sort of slowly being crushed by the boulder <laughs> or, or yeah. you're in the car accident bleeding out. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, the, that's the bad part. That is. But they, and they go through the gate and they come to this mansion, which is... Oh, it's a magnificent mansion. Yeah, it is. It's on. Uh, it's like a castle, it's, isn't it's, it? It's like yeah. a Carey Mansion or something. Okay, it's yeah. A school for a bit. And yeah, yeah. It's been a few different films. The original Great Gatsby was filmed next door. Right. <laughs> I don't. Know, I thought that was a bit funny detail. The point is, but so it's in some of the background shots. You mm. know, this freaking mansion. Uh, and and yeah, Will is like a bit surprised at this. You know what? What, what is, the hell this? is this place? Yeah. Uh, crazy. Because he's, uh, yeah, he's, you can tell he's a bit questioning about mm. his dad. Yeah. He's, he's not, yeah, he's, he's wondering about his dad, what's going on. But they get out and they go along and there's, there's people in jumpsuits tending mm. to the gardens, you know, and the different color-coded jumpsuits, which again makes Will a bit... Um, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Mm. And... Comes into the lab and dad, Dr. Harbour, is medically dead. Medically dead. Oh, yes. He's got the (laughs) laser beam across his face and everything. And he sort of jumps to kind of maybe resuscitate him. And they're like, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. And they're sort of testing his mind. And then they're re-shocking him back. And Will's not too impressed with this sort of (laughs) testing. (laughs) And anyway, so he then walks off and then... He's sort of walking around the facilities a bit. Um, and I think it's with Toby that he, this is where he kind of goes, well, this place is a cult. Yeah. So like no, a, no, no. There's, there's grades and this yeah. is there's grades and ranking and hierarchy. Pyramid. <laughs> and, you know, Pyramid scheme. suits and yeah, got to keep people, you know, gives them purpose. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that's what Toby says, doesn't he? He goes, he goes oh, you got to, these people are going to, you know, some of them tried to co- commit suicide a couple of times. Like we're, yeah, we're giving all, them. They're all here because they've been affected by yeah. the discovery. 
Dad uh, questions why Will has returned. So a bit of a sort of reveal there as well that Will had something to do with the experiments to begin with. Um, and he also reveals that Will was actually, you know, the original inspiration, which this really pisses Will off. Because, again, he's like, I, that question in the interview about, which you said, you know, his answer was, no, it's not my fault that they're killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, more Will at this point is going, no, it is your fault. You, you showed them the door. Well, I think also, yeah, Will probably feels a bit of responsibility. responsibility. Yeah, so he's kicking the, kicking the dad. Um. Yeah, and he comes anyway. He's he's out there looking at the beach, and he notices down on the beach a woman. It's Isla. She's which kind of like you know he goes oh that that crazy <laughs> crazy woman. She's loading uh, weights, and then she's loading backpack. weights into his backpack, and she realizes what she's about to do, which she walks into the ocean, further and further out. So he like you know runs down and jumps in like a good hero, and has to. And it, I, I like this because. Uh, the way it's shot is kind of like really at water surface level and Will really struggles to save her. And, you know, he's a big dude. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a big, strong, tall man. I think Jason uh, Jason is about seven foot or something because <laughs> I know he's joked about how tall he is. But, like, he's a big guy and and she's no way that size. And But he, he struggles to kind of save her, which I did like. I was like you know, in so many films, they make it so easy, you know. But he, he dra- and he drags her out, and of course she's pissed off. Yeah, but she doesn't immediately try to kill herself again. I think she's, no. So she's not convinced of dying, and I think it's just that she has that real apathy towards life and death, which yeah, which I I liked because there was you could easily have had a again it could have been over the top of no no I want to die get yeah. in there carry on like a find like, her in the bathtub with a toaster a crazy person but instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's she's just tired. She's not she's not great about it. So Will takes her back um, to the mansion, mm. and you know Toby's like, oh, these can't just come in. There's an interview and a questionnaire. Sorry, <laughs> and she's wearing like a a grey jumpsuit. Yeah, with a V on it. It's quite a kooky little montage that happens here because while Dad interviews her. Yeah. Will kind of walks around the mansion and so we cut between the two. So we yeah. cut from the weird questions that are going on to then Will also being quite, you know, fish out of water, so to speak. Like he's a bit out of his element of oh, this, what is this place? It is a bit creepy and it is feeling a bit cult-like. There's people, I mean, there's people doing awful things, meditating, reading, lying down and sleeping. Yeah. Massage, I think, is going on somewhere, and it all seems a bit creepy, really, but not really. And, no. there, and there is a dude who keeps recording everything. Yeah, yeah, well, he he's seems, a bit. That's uh, the Cooper guy. Cooper. Yeah, yeah. I, he seems a bit obsessive compulsive about it. Yes, recording, which is interesting. And Will finds the photo, which initially you don't know what it is, but he no. he sees some photo which which he takes. Yep, and he goes on, and he finds. A room with all old stuff, including a bunk bed, mm. which no doubt is his own. Uh, which Toby we, comes yeah. in and says, "Ah, oh, you know, you found how, a- how did you know this is where you're staying?" And he said, oh, "No, he found the old bed." Mm. And this is one of those great things because this is a uh, like the sixth sense. You know, yeah. there's these things which, when you watch it in this context, it made perfect sense. Like yes. he, was, he was exploring around and he found 
because I figured, oh, he'd seen, oh, that's my old bunk bed. And yeah, going yeah. in and he's like having a look and going, wow, some of our old stuff is here. Yeah. And Toby says, yeah, I managed to save a bunch of our old stuff. Yeah. Uh, which, which is sort of a, a strange insight into Toby there that he'd keep the childhood bunk bed and mm. although he doesn't sleep there. No. No, because, but anyway, like, yeah, so it, it totally makes sense then, which is one of these great things because at the end when we get that reveal, uh, it also makes sense in the light of, the revelation, the reveal, yeah. yeah. So Isla passes the test because she had some weird ass answers as well back. She was a bit kind of bouncing back with dad. Mm. Um, wasn't so kind of just depressing kind of situation. Um, then Toby also invites them to this special meeting tonight, cult meeting that really yeah. felt like. And he plays one. a bit of his guitar. He's again he, playing guitar. He's, he's not great. No, he's not great. Uh, and there's a room just with a few people and dad makes mention of that. Like, you're the special few. I wanted to give you a little insight into something. And basically the clincher is uh, that he can record the afterlife. Yeah. Which everyone's like, <gasps> oh, that is pretty cool. Oh, it is. I know. That's what we want. That's what Elon Musk would want that. That's what he'd pay for. Well, it'd be interesting just to record people's afterlife and like it's a new reality show. Hmm. Hmm. That's, oh, that would be Great ratings. And yeah, I'd watch people's afterlives. It'd be amazing. This week on Netflix, yes. Afterlife. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you have to have some pre-zany afterlives to be entertaining. You get crazy. So although he's revealed this, in the next scene, the kind of group of them are standing around discussing it. And with Will, the neurologist, now his, his expertise comes up. And it's basically determined that you can do this, but if you go under for that long, you're going to be brain damaged. Yeah, you're not be, coming back. Because he's been doing it so far. And he says, yeah. frankly, I'm surprised you haven't yeah. you know, suffered brain damage or died already. Yeah. Which is good because, again, even when he walked in on them and going, oh, no, don't touch him. We'll bring him back. It's like, yeah, you do You do realize it's not like that. Like, it's like you only have to do one basic first aid. I, I did first aid um, training, first aid management for many years. It's like... Yeah, you're lucky to bring people back. Like, yes. <laughs> it's not that easy. The just, be, just like and all the rest of it. Like, no, the defib is really powerful, and it's as long as you keep oxygen. Go- like, I know the theory as long as you keep oxygen going. But a man of Robert Redford's age, the risk factor of yeah. being able to just like put him out for a couple of minutes and bring but him back. You, you need all of the the, the drugs and yeah. the other support and yeah. Yes. But it, but it's not, we're not as well like as humans we're not machines like you you can just that's it your heart's not coming back this time. Well, that was the whole thing about Frankenstein. Yeah. Is what is the spark of life? Because yeah. when you switch off someone's you know heart, for example, yeah. you could say they're dead, but they're not because there's still a bit of oxygen and glucose in the brain, mm. and it's, and it stays alive. And if you, if you chill people, they can stay alive for like a couple of minutes. Yeah. And then, as you said, you then start flowing blood around, get some oxygen. They can go for for a quite a while. And yeah, if yeah. you can then hit them some adrenaline and some yeah. other you know little drugs they've got, and then zap their heart at the right place, and mm. you know you've got a you've got a chance of bringing them back. Um, you've also you know it is only a chance. It's not <laughs> it's not a certain like don't go around the place flatlining yourself no, thinking you just <laughs> see the afterlife and come back. That's it. Uh, that's that's really quite a foolhardy thing to do can i just say on that note this film these these sort of moments and i had the thought when i saw it and it's one that maybe we need to bring into to space brains in the future is flatliners do you remember flatliners yeah the southern and it had it. the rat pack of the 80s in it um yeah. emilio estevez and 
Well, I'm just trying. There was Julia Roberts in it, maybe something like that. And there's a there's a group of those kind of key '80s actors, uh, and that they're sort of doing a similar thing. They're flatlining themselves to just, find out about the afterlife, yeah. aren't they? There was a remake. Was it? Uh, yeah, more recently. Right. Okay. I'm in. I'm in the dark over that. But okay. But we should. We probably should go back and watch that original one at some point. Yes. Is, and it was reminding me, it's a bit similar, this film, I, to that. I, yeah. I immediately thought of Flatliners yeah. as well when the Aries on the slab and they're bringing him back. Because yes. it's the same thing, they want to find out what it is to be dead. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... So anyway, yes, <laughs> Thomas says there's... Yeah, I, okay, so I'm... You're going to be brain damaged, we brain can't damage. go any further. And this is, this is nice, again, where... It would have been easy to, to do the drama. No, I have to do my discovery. I'm mm. this crazy person who is obsessed. But he wasn't. He went, mm. okay, uh, well, if I have a... We need a cadaver. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, um, is it Isla says, I might have a cadaver idea. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. So they rush down to the morgue. And this is where we, to we the kind morgue. of... We're to the morgue, that's right. And and Toby uh, does the good thing of going in and speaking to the very mild-mannered, normal mortician, well, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, you, you skipped over the revelation that Will's mum oh, is yeah. suicide. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, he also... Will, Will had said that she died, but then Toby says, yeah, she, she killed, killed herself. She killed herself, yeah, that's right, on the way to the morgue, yep. Yes, and that and thus explains Will's dislike of all the suicide. Mm. He, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. To him, it's more complicated. Um, so they go into the morgue. Uh, Toby pretends he's looking for his friend. Convinces the guy to kind of have a look at some John Doe's. Uh, you know, they're they're not there. But then when he leaves, he sort of sticky tapes the lock so that Will and Isla can come in and take a body, and they do. Yes, they, they go and they... They, they take a guy called Phillips. Phillips. Mr. Phillips. Connor. No, Connor was his dad. I can't remember what his name was. Yeah. Phil Phillips. So <laughs> he had a, a heart attack. He'd had a heart attack. So he was a perfect candidate. Yes, no brain um, damage. So they take it back. Um, this is where Isla also says, I don't want to stay in my room. I'll stay with you, you know, on the, on the top bunk. Oh, yeah, we they have- kind of now have a little bit of a relationship going and this sort of scene is probably pretty pivotal to their relationship that they connect more. A bit of a heart um, to heart. She, she says she lost, is this where she says she lost her son? She fell yeah. asleep just for a moment and then he was gone. Yep. So it, it didn't go into any detail of what that was. Yes. And, and she also indicates that she's just, she has no lust for life. She's got no yeah. interest she's in lo- life. She's lost. Yeah. And, and, and that's the same thing. She's, she's not particularly interested in death, but she's like, you know, but maybe, maybe at least, I don't have to be here. Yeah. And this is also like he reveals that the mum killed herself because dad, Robert Redford, was not really paying any attention to her. He was working too much. And so their relationship was sort of, you know, on the outer. Um, She also asks, she also kind of debates the idea of like, well, if there's an afterlife for humans, what about pets, animals? Oh, and what about children? And what about children? That's how yeah. the scene ends, I'm pretty sure. It's just like, yeah. what about kids? And there's no answer to that, you know. Um, yeah. And Anyway, so the corpse is then being tested on and tested on and tested on and tested on and tested on. Yeah, he really, I liked. I like how he was like, again, Toby, again, Toby, again. As is like. 
And there's just like flat flat lining the whole time. There's nothing, and he walks off in a bit of a stink eye, doesn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, and, and Toby's not like, impressed. Yeah, whatever. They all leave. Yep. And yeah, I, I thought that was just yeah a bit of a. I wasn't sure where that was headed. Like, is this just going to be more character drama now? Yeah. But but nicely enough, he says you need a new corpse, mm. and they're going to take you know um they're going to have to take the old one back, of course. But Will sneaks in. And he, he, he comes in. So I, I presume he'd taken something out, right? Yeah, because he, he, he had some kind sort of, of cable plugs in the video bit. Replugs yeah. in. And when he does that, he suddenly gets a bit of piece of video footage kind of rolling along. Yeah, and he, he doesn't see it at first, which is quite no. frustrating. He's starting yeah. to undo the straps. He's going to pack the guy up. And I thought, oh, she's just going to miss this. I, I want to know mm. what this is. Yeah. Because suddenly it's... It suddenly to me it was like, oh, so it's not just going to be this sort of yeah, somewhat dreary and depressing character drama between Will and this suicidal woman. Um, there's going to be a little bit more mm. interest to it. And as I said, like I didn't think I was going to like this film as much as I did. Like I thought it was going to be an interesting film. It's going to be a good, good uh, discussion and yeah, and all this. But as the more it went on, it, the um, the director and the writer managed to get that 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 right sort of cadence where. It's like something's going to happen and nothing's going to happen. Oh, it's going to be kind of a bit maudlin. No, actually something is happening. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, but maybe he's not going to tell anyone else about yeah. it. And then he does. But yeah, so he finally looks up and he sees the video playing. Yeah. And he, like, he goes over and he's like staring at it. Like, what What the hell is it? And you, we can't really quite tell what's going on no. there. There's someone driving the windscreen yeah, wipers. Again, raining. 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 <laughs> and, and, you know, he ends up, unpacking the whole thing and putting yeah. it away and it's not really revealed that he did take a recording no, of it on a no. tablet or anything until a little bit later so and then, again that's that down point where I was like oh is he going to hide this now and mm. no one's going to it's going to uh, you know this is such an important discovery yes definitely um, and he uh, yeah t- dad and Toby enter and, and he says you know the body's good to go so they take the corpse um, back and Dad is asking for a new corpse, and at the same time, some of these people in their um, overalls are kind of, you know, mm, maybe he's not the cult hero that we thought he was. Yeah, maybe they're starting a bit of, bit of Chinese, you know, a bit of Chinese whispers going on, a bit of, bit of, you know, okay, we don't, what are we doing here? This guy's a bit crazy. Anyway, um, the what is her name? She is Lacey. Lacey. <laughs> I forgot her name. Is it, yeah. She's a funny character because she's kind of like this bitter sidekick. You're not too sure if she's a scientist or not. She reveals to Isla that her dad and her sister committed suicide. And she's like, oh, Isla's like, oh, God. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's like, yeah, they didn't invite me. Yeah, they, they didn't want me with them. Which is then you think about it and you go, oh, yeah, that's pretty nasty. Well, it's a know. dark way to think about it too, is it? Yeah. You wanted to be invited to this family well, suicide? Oh, yeah, Dad, pants? attention. Oh, my God. You and I both have daughters. They want our attention. That's what they want. I'm pretty sure she doesn't want me to kill her. <laughs> well, you don't know, Surrey. I'm if you're not... going to kill yourself, she might want to be there for her, right? 98% sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, he wants that. He um, calls a mating. That's right, yeah, and and they well actually before oh, that, yeah, no, this is yeah, Will Isla and Will they return and they have a cute moment returning the body to the morgue, of course, nope. 
you know, they they ring up the morgue and say, "There's a body outside. Is this a prank?" And but they have this moment and kiss. So kind of their relationship is developing a bit more. Um, that cuts cuts to then Will. He's rewatching the footage on his tablet, uh, and he matches it to. He, he watches the footage and we can see that the guy, this car pulls up at a hospital emergency place, enters the hospital, goes along a ward. The footage is very grainy, very shaky, black and white. It's kind of a bit distorted, but, you know, you're starting to figure out what's going on. He kind of gets to a room and a woman comes out and sort of yells at, yells at him and says, oh, you know, typical he, he runaway. Wants, he wants to see you and say, oh, I, I can't face him. Yeah, and yeah. He turns around. You don't know who he is, mm. who his woman is. Like, I thought maybe it's his son. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to be honest, I was even thinking, is this a memory of Will's or something? You know what I mean? Like, I know it was the corpses thing, but it, I, there wasn't enough answers at this point. No, I didn't no. even know. Like, is he seen something? And uh, But anyway, Will then starts Googling hospitals around him and after looking at some images, discovers the same hospital. Yes. Um, so he goes to investigate that and using the footage, he, he walks through the same corridors. Um, there's a nurse, he tries to get some information, but, you know, it's obviously like, you know, we're not just going to hand over information to patients. Um, so he goes to kind of walking through the corridors, goes up the elevator, um, and then he gets to a, a door, where whereas in, in the video footage, it's a long ho- uh, corridor. Going. Which is a nice moment, hey, because he's shocked and we're like, oh, okay. And he turns around, there's a cleaner and starts chatting to the cleaner and the cleaner reveals that the hospital did this makeover uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, so it's So he's not, like, oh, okay, so this is a memory. Yeah, it's so like an old, he's, he's in, has this just recorded an old memory of this yeah. guy? Which yeah, would make a lot of sense again. It's not the afterlife. No. It's actually, you're just measuring memories yeah. leaving the brain. Yeah, yeah like... Uh, reflections or echoes of, yes. of someone's life. You know, life flashes before your eyes as you die type of thing. So this is where we cut to the performance from the dad, the cult performance. So he's gathered everyone into the room. Yeah. Toby it, plays his awful guitar. Yeah, and, and then weird <laughs> blowy yeah. harmonica-y thing. Uh, dad takes over. He talks about how he's built trust with everyone. When you come here, I interview you, and it's just a trust exercise. It's nothing more... And he calls Lacey up and he, he asks her some questions, which is very manipulative because there's sort of like an agenda going on from dad. Um, and he reveals like, oh, you've been telling people about the failed experiments. Yeah. And she says, well, I, I told one person, you know. I liked how he was saying things into the mic and she was answering, but she was also like then kind of off mic going, "Yeah, what, what's going on? What are you doing? Mm. I don't like this, you know. And, but he just kept going with it. He just ignored all that. Uh, and then he dismisses her and tells her to leave. She's upset. She's very upset. Um, Will questions him over the theatrics. I did think it was a bit poor form of Will not to kind of like speak up during that, but, you know. Um, and Will screams about Dad and that photo, that the fact that the photo that was on the wall that had his mum folded over and he kind of like throws that you in. You just deleted her. You just deleted her. Um, and storms off like a little teenage boy. Uh, Will decides now is a good time. They need to show Isla the footage. Uh, you know, she accepts it. They start debating like it's, he will thinks that his conclusion is that it's a memory, not the afterlife, but 
it's not proof. She says, well, we have to know more. So they kind yeah, of go... We, get an, we need to know if this is know, a memory or if there's yeah. something different. So, because he's saying that, the, you know, there's some weird distortions. That He goes to the hospital. They do somehow get access to the files. That's not really explained. Um, through yeah. the fact that the hospital was like 10 years ago renovated uh, and the father's death he's sort of figured out that, well, it has to be a Phillips between this kind of period of time. And when you look at that period of time, there is only one file of Phillips. And so it happens to be his one. And he died, yes. And he did die there. So the dad the dad died there. So he's like, well, it would make a lot of sense that he came and visited his dad. But then Isla noticed that the uh, tattoo was different. Yeah. So he's, And Will's kind of like, I'm not really convinced that's... Was are you sure? You know, it was a lighthouse yeah. in the video footage, but he said it was waves or something. Yep. So they're gonna they're gonna try and find out again. Waves, tattoo, tattoo, waves. Yes, Water. the ocean. It's going through there. So they, they they need to find out. They need to find something that's in this video that they can corroborate. So they found that there was a Phillips who died. So they found the, they go the woman. Yep. Um, and they look up the old address, like uh, of. Phillips, there's only one there, and yep. they go, they go up there. Yep, and they knock on the door. Knock on the door, and this is uh, Phillips' place. Woman answers. Uh, it's the sister. Um, she tells the story that she, you know, her, the brother, so the man that they know, the corpse. Um, yeah, she, she's quite upset with him, her brother, uh, and the fact that he died, she doesn't really care too much about because he left her with the dying father and then the mother broke down and, and he's quite crazy, you know, Alzheimer's, I think she mentions. Yeah. Um, she does also say, well, if you saw something in him, good, because they're kind of pretending that they knew him. Uh, they ask about the tattoos and she goes, yeah, we had matching wave tattoos. Yeah, back when we were teenagers, about 18, yeah. we were really close. We're, and um, she also says that he never actually visited the hospital. Yeah, he says, oh, yeah, he said that he, he went there to visit 13 years ago, but couldn't go in. She says, no, he's lying. He never turned up. Yeah. He was supposed to come, but he, he just didn't, he never turned up. So now they know that it's not a just, memory. It's not it's, a memory, but, it's gotta be, but they still don't 100% know what it is. So then back at the bunk beds, um, again, they're debating. And there's a nice sort of line in here. It's not exactly right, but I, I kind of tried to write it down, which Will says, like, we are a bunch of people running around, making the same mistakes, thinking that the result will be different. Yeah, because he's talking about maybe that's what the afterlife is. Maybe yeah. maybe the afterlife is just repeating the same mistakes, thinking yes. things will be different. Yeah. Which is what I also think is that's the problem of you're, you're depressed now and you commit suicide mm. and you go to the afterlife, are you not also going to be depressed? Depressed. And, <laughs> like, have troubles? Yes. Okay, it's, this reminded me of this movie... Uh, it was called, ah, uh, jeez Louise, the uh, suicidal love, uh, you know, colon, a love mm. story, I think it is, something like that. But that's, the movie premise of that is that when you commit suicide, you go to an afterlife. Yeah. But it's an afterlife populated by people who have committed suicide. Yeah. And so this Guy, he's, you know, commits suicide because he's mm. um, rejected by this girl mm. of his dreams. And 
thinking, oh, I'm going to end it all. But he just basically wakes up in a place very similar to where he actually died. Yeah. Except it's shittier. <laughs> you know, like, and everything's kind of a bit crap. Yeah. Uh, but none of the people he knows is there because only suicide people go there. Mm. And so he sort of goes about this life and he has to have a job. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got to buy things with money. There's people working in the shops. Yep. And, you know, you see the occasional scars on wrists or, you know, burns around the throat, you know, bullet wound, scar on the head, that sort of mm. thing. So it's entirely populated by people who commit suicide. Mm. And they've got to work. So he's yep. got to get a job. And he meets like this guy who's a bit of a, it's this crazy sort of Russian dude. His whole family committed suicide, which um, not all at the same time. But you know, his brother killed himself first, and then in grief, his mum killed himself. And then he went on like a, he was a in a band playing dreadful music, and he went on like a real bender and spilled beer all over the stage. And he knew he could see that the the chords were in there, but he went up there and played anyway. Mm. And he said, "Yeah, he electrocuted himself." He didn't quite realize that that equated to suicide, but I guess he, <laughs> he kind of figured out, well, you know, I knew it was going to happen, so I suppose it was. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so he makes friends with this guy. And, and so this, this thing plays out. And, again, the whole world is very dreary. Like, mm. it's like our world, but everything's just a bit everything's just a bit crapper. Mm. You know, all the cars <laughs> are just a bit shitty. Yeah. Because you imagine they're the suicided cars. You know, the cars <laughs> have committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. And the music is just a little bit garbage yeah, yeah. and there's a, a hole underneath this guy's seat which just disappears to nowhere like if you drop something and falls down under the car seat it's gone <laughs> uh in literally like there's actually yeah, like a yeah. black hole under there so yeah and there's and there's a cult leader in that as well yeah, yeah. who led people to suicide <laughs> and there he is in the afterlife with all of his people and he's yeah. like trying to lead them to suicide in the suicide life <laughs> uh and yeah, it's a crazy, crazy show. It's a comedy, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a hard thing to say, but it's called Suicide, yeah. a Love Story, uh, where the guy, he, he does meet the girl of his dreams mm. who also committed suicide. I won't tell you how it all ends and everything, but it, it's quite amusing. But this this reminded me of it. Yes. In that you've got these people committing suicide and maybe they're just doing the same thing, this line that he says. Yeah. Maybe they're just going around just doing the exact same things mm. over and over because if that's this guy's afterlife, turning up and not being able to face his dying father and being yelled at by his sister, is that just repeating over and over and over again? Well, there's... there's horrifying. You know, if you take your logical brain and think about even a heaven uh, idea, an afterlife that is like maybe, you know, like your perfect life, right? Like... Isn't it just similar to your life? So therefore, if your life is kind of hell, that you know, I, mean, I don't mean yeah. for like a Catholic hell or whatever religious hell, but if you really hate your life and you're 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 totally suicidal about ending your life, maybe if there is an afterlife, all it is is that version of your life anyway, because it would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Well, because I've, I've heard that you know, explained by a theist. Yeah. So as it. I don't know if he was particularly religious or not, but he was a study of theology. And he was pointing out that many of the Christian sects, they're not talking about like the fire and brimstone concept is kind of a an old school way of frightening people. But it's not, it's not mentioned in the Bible. Mm. It doesn't say yeah. that there's going to be fire and the devil's going to poke you with pointy bits. Like, that's <laughs> something prod. sort of made up. Yeah. But rather pointing out that you know life without 
your religious center, mm. Jesus or God or yeah. Buddha or whoever your religious center is, uh, is what you have in your afterlife, mm. but you can't attain. Yeah. That's what hell is. Yes. That's what he was explaining as. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which I kind of like that. It's like, okay, I can see then that, because it wasn't coming from any particular one religion. It's saying mm. this, is, this is a religious viewpoint. Yes. That yeah, yeah. Um, heaven is actually when you find that religious spiritual center yeah, you, yeah. and you uh, allow yourself to become one with it. Mm-hmm. And then that's what it is. When you die, you continue that on. Yep. And so it's not that heaven is like, you know, fluffy clouds with angels playing harmonies. It's a, it's a personal spiritual completeness and peace. Yes. Yep. Whereas hell is the opposite where you, you do not find that spiritual completeness and you are forever thirsting for something you cannot have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which, yeah, which is sort of, again, similar to this line Will says in his bed that people Definitely. keep going around in circles. So this leads Isla to kind of like Will, I think, a lot more because then she starts making out with him um, and he offer, he, he he further offers that, you know, going into the future, she doesn't have to be alone with the suffering. He's not actually saying, I'll remove the suffering, but you don't have to go through it alone. Yeah. Um, and so they start making out a bit and then Toby runs in saying that, well, Dad's been hooked on the machine um, so they they run down, they find Dad on the machine, um, and you know they, it, Will's really worried about his safety. But they can see on the video that it's the anniversary. Yes, and Mum is and going up the stairs. Mum is going up the stairs, which he's we know writing. Yeah, which we know is that she's going to kill himself, herself. kill herself. Sorry, herself. Um, and then Dad walks out in the memory and sort of says, "Oh, do you know what? My work can wait." Yeah, uh, and so she stops, and he's like, "Why don't you come down and we'll eat dinner together?" Yeah, and she does. She comes down, and then they have to revive him. Then they have but, to revive. But Will him. wants to see it, yeah, uh, you know, complete. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It's changed. You know, he's, she's not going upstairs. Mm, she's alive. He, he never because in Will's recounting, Will was the one who found her in the morning. Mm, yeah, which meant Dad never even left his office all yeah. night. Yep, and it was Will who found her. So. Yeah, so he's really excited, but they they do manage they to do re- bring him back. Bring him back. Like, there's a little bit of sort of tension there of have we lost him? But he comes back and watches the the video, mm. and they're like, and, and and this was this again. This was when I was real ups from him. Like, the, you're wondering about the video, and uh, are they just you know repeat to be you know in this personal hell? Mm. And then you see this, you go, no, you can correct your worst. Perhaps perhaps your afterlife is your opportunity to exist in another version of the universe mm. and correct your biggest mistakes, yes. your worst regrets. Yeah. And then, of course, the realization, oh, we, we can't tell people that because they'll make terrible mistakes now. Yeah. Like they'll kill themselves now to try and correct mistakes. Yep. But what if, and they don't really go into this, but I was thinking, yeah, okay, well, you can't do it because what if the mistake you've got to correct is coming up you know like yeah yeah are you shortchanging yourself and the universe and mm. yeah if you if you show people that yeah you're gonna get massive suicide rates mm. you are but then so, of course maybe his dad would die and get to not reveal that there's an afterlife <laughs> yes yeah so they destroy the machine they start pulling the machine apart um 
dad goes out to give a speech about the family and truth to all the extras. Um, Lacey suddenly sh- sh- rocks up and shoots Isla. Uh, she... She's, I just relocated wanted, her, which is yeah. one of those discussions I asked him. Yeah. No, Lacey said, I'm surprised no one's used it as... Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I agree. I, I also don't understand why people wouldn't be murdering each other. Yeah, you'd, you'd think it'd be like, you know... Like friends could just be like, I'll kill you, you kill me, you know, like... Yeah, I'd, I'm, sorry, I'm sure that would happen. They'd do that now without even... It. Yeah. But yeah, you, you certainly think there'd be mass murders where people go, I'm, I'm sending you all on... My church congregation... I'm sending you all on to, to yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'll make that sacrifice for you. Um, so uh, Will tries to save her, but she slowly dies, you know, in his arms. Interesting enough, we see flashes of her son as she's dying. And it goes back to the story she told of her son, you know, disappearing without her even realizing. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so it's flashes of a little boy on the beach, you know, with a with a bucket and a and a shovel, kind of thing in the water. Again, in the water. Yes. Uh yes. Okay, <laughs> water. We need the water. I need water. I need water. That's what I need. Uh yes. Yeah, so we see the little flashes, but Will is Trey upset. Yeah, and he's going. Well, hold on. Is not right. I, you know, he is just. They were just happy together. Yeah. So he, yeah, he rushes on inside and he cranks up the machine, locks himself in the room, hooks himself up, and you know it, it starts pumping the uh, anesthetic gas. Yeah. I assume to knock him out and put him down into death. Yep. And then we get Will standing on the ferry. Yeah, he's on the ferry, he's, looking at the wake. Ian. He's kind of looking confused, like. You can tell he doesn't immediately know what's happening, mm. but yeah, he walks in, and it looks very similar. Like because he was kind of looking a bit like that the first time. He was, yeah. And he walks in, and yeah, it's the same news report going. Mm. And then he goes, Isla. Yeah. And he looks around. He, he finds her sitting there, and they sort of have a similar conversation. The starting of the conversation, but then he, he's clearly remembering. He says, "You know, like um, I've done, and uh, I've." I've got you. What are, what are you doing here? Yeah. And she says, I'm not here. I'm actually you. Yeah. Which is interesting because she's, you know, says you're not properly dead. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Uh, and so we're sort of in this in-between state where he's yeah. entering his afterlife. He's talking to himself, basically. Mm. Where it's revealed that, you know, he says, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to see you again. I'm so glad I can see you again. Uh, and she says, yes, you've been doing this all the time. You died uh, after you know, this visit here because you heard the news. Some woman had killed herself. That was the first time. Mm. And you realized that it was me. That you'd met me on the boat. Uh, and then uh, you know, later on, you, you died and you came back on the boat. And you keep coming back trying to save me. She says, but I didn't manage to save you. Yeah. And I didn't manage to save you, your life. And she says, you don't have to stop someone from dying to save their life. Mm. Which I thought was really nice. Cause it like, was, yeah. Because in that last scene where they were together, she was smiling. After she that, was. And the sun was out. Yeah. In, in her hair and things. Mm. Yeah, you could see Will and Isla were at peace. Yeah, they were. If, if not overjoyed, they were certainly had achieved like this, you know, that feeling of being together and, and mm. not being alone and happy. And... 
Uh, yeah, so we could then get this story of this, like, you know, repeating, like, he, he, this was the first time he'd actually managed to pull her out of the water. Mm. And, yeah, so now, So it's a bit of a, like, Groundhog's Day thing. Where are you yeah. going? Where have you gone? He said, well, I, I'm not going, I'm not here anymore. Yeah, because you saved me. Yeah, you saved me. And, like, uh, I, and he's like, I will remember you, <laughs> which is there, because then you can hear the voices of him being yeah. pulled back. And he gets, he gets pulled back. Uh, which is, you know, the way it is. No, you don't know, do you? Oh, because yeah. th- she, that's the interesting thing there. She's saying you can decide to die or they're going to pull you back. Well, yeah. And I mean, he goes, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember you. And it, then... It was also revealed, though, that this he has already died numerous times. Yeah, so... He's already in his afterlife. This he's already his in afterlife. his afterlife. Yeah, so, so now he's dying again. He's re-afterlifing. Re- yeah. And... And this is this is what I, I like. I, I like this ending in the movie. He does turn up, and he saves her son. Yeah, you know, he didn't look like he was in particular danger, but I guess no. he could have easily been. He was wearing heavy yeah. clothes in yeah. the water. Kids fall over in the water. My children try to drown themselves several times, <laughs> and if it wasn't for you know quick action, yes, it, it would have been tragedy. Yeah, but I yeah. saved my nephew in the surf a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> he he picks her up. Yep. Picks him up, him up and Isla comes running down and, and yeah. they sort of meet and yeah, kind of he recognizes her. Yes. Or yeah, it's it's not clear whether he's like fully knows exactly who she is, but he's like, Oh, hold on, there's something here. Yeah. And we end. Finn. Mm, yes. As the French would say. Yes. And I I really it would have been easy to have ended that movie on a a slightly more somber note of you know you've you've saved me I will remember and then that's it it sort of closes off yes but I do I really did like the closure mm. it seems it's a bit corny I suppose maybe or a bit cheesy the ending that it all came around but I did like it because yeah, I mean that Will because Will wasn't at peace in his previous ones mm. as you could tell I mean, he kept circling back trying to save this woman's life yeah which was actually also him trying to you know because his mum died. He didn't get to save her, so he's, you know, saving this mother's life. So if he's, I mean, it's, I, I liked it too, because it makes you think about then the promise of the premise. Mm. So the what if, you know, so what if the afterlife is playing out of another second chance and you then just keep repeating that second chance time over time over time over a bit of a Groundhog Day kind of scenario. But I guess you're living also like, I mean, how how long is the repeating? Is it days? Is it months? Is it years? As long as it needs to be. It's a very... And every time... Because she does say to him as well, she's like, the first time we didn't even speak. Yeah. So the first time on the boat, it didn't even speak. And then what, he's gone to see his father, Toby, the cult, realised how crazy it all, heard that she's died and then killed himself to try to go over... To the other side. Oh, who knows? We don't know. <laughs> and then the second time he's actually managed to speak to her and the third, you know, blah, 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 but blah. It's, blah, a, so. it's a bit of a, a Buddhist Eastern sort of philosophy here. It is, the isn't it? The yeah. reincarnation is a process of learning mm. enlightenment. It's yeah. on our path. It's a never-ending learning cycle learning, yeah, yeah, yeah. towards yeah. some sort of enlightenment. Mm. And and this movie ends with them. You know, this is not the end of their trials no, or problems. No. Like, 
if they're going to have any sort of relationship and all the rest of it, there's going to be problems. Well, now but doesn't he have to go back to before she gets knocked up with her first child? To find out that actually he is the father? Yeah. No, that would be terrible. But, yeah, it's, it's that sort of Eastern philosophy yeah. of, of, you know, you've got to – and that's sort of what he was saying when he was in that bed as well, mm. is, you know, you're going around making the same mistakes. So, yeah, and, you're not trying different things. And that's the problem, of course, with all these people just going and offing themselves is yeah. what have they learned about anything? Yeah, 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 nothing. Yeah, yeah, you know, nothing. What have they – and, and that was one of my thoughts at the very start was you, you don't know what the afterlife is. No. I want to know as much as I could about this life. Yes. And, you know, you'd want to be entering the afterlife – in a good mind frame. Yeah. You know, you'd want to be going in there as well as you could mm. because that's uh, only going to be good. Yes. And it, indeed, it doesn't sort of indicate where what happens when you solve these problems. You do progress because they, he managed to save her and, and she obviously uh, was able to be you know, save herself in some way. Are they, each of them, from that previous afterlife or are they... Is it just him? Different? Is it just yeah. him... And there's just some other Isla. Yeah, but I guess, I guess the thing is, he's so he's if, he, if 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 like the film suggests, he's saved her right after the so many times, and then he's now progressed onto this next stage, which is saving her child. Yeah, and maybe having some sort of real, like realization that he does know her. Well, then they could connect at that point in time rather than they've connected when she's mourning and a lost soul, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even though they connect and have a relationship, now they could kind of connect before she's such a depressed person down that mourning yeah. line and maybe then it's just living happily ever after then, you know? Uh, well, yeah. And maybe that's it, you know? Facing whatever the next things yeah. are to learn the next. And then know. in his next life, he decides on a different wife. Ha, ha, ha. And his name is Brian. That's right. Okay, so what about the... <laughs> what, a, what a twist. Uh, what about your ladder preference, Sorry, Where does oh, the discovery well, come right. in? Where should people watch this in the list of science fiction films that we have looked at? Believe it or not, this puts this on number 40. I believe. I hope. My maths is right. Uh, I think you got the, the episode... I think this is episode 52. Yeah, it is episode 52. Last episode was Freaks, which is 51. 51. Matrix was 50. Okay. So we're actually 52. So, yeah. so uh, Oh, did I say 51 tonight? Yeah, did at I the very start. So all you should people, have corrected me. That's all those people that came along here going, what the heck's going on here? Gosh, I just listened to 51. This is 52. Uh, for me, I'm bringing the discovery in at number 28 on my list. Um, so where that is, is it's coming in after Tao, you know, the house with the sophisticated AI. Oh, I know Tao. And you know Tao. We all know Tao. He you you have one in your house. It's always annoying us. We have to turn it off when we do this, the podcast. Uh, and number 29 is Surrogate. So I, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really yeah. interesting. It's, I it's loved... some similarities there. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah, and I think like if you watch something like Tao, which is kind of like an AI and and human conscious and what makes humans and, you know, the behavior of humans, it kind of, to me, makes sense to then have a look at the discovery, which is more about humans in the afterlife and that debate, you know, of like, should you live your best life in this life? Of course, I think. But then, yeah, like maybe it is about rectifying your mistakes in the afterlife. That's kind of a pretty cool idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I put up there number eight. So you'd watch... That's uh, on one side of it is the platform, mm -hmm. 
which I thought, you know, we've sort of gone from Snowpiercer at six to platform. Mm-hmm. You can see that sort of uh, uh, human nature discovery into the discovery. Yes. And then Passengers, which again was is that choice of life, you know, having one life being left behind, which mm. you're expecting to wake up on another planet and do something. Yes. Interrupted uh, and and coming to terms with that. So I, I, I really like that. You'd also then be going from some grim stuff like some Snowpiercer, it's quite grim action to this sort of dark, almost religious-toned platform Yeah, into something a bit more gentle and philosophical, but then space... And then Tau was after that one. Mm. Yeah, so, okay. so I reckon, you, and then you're going full throttle into Occupation Rainfall. <laughs> Kapow! That's all right. Yeah, so I, it's, um, I'm going to challenge them to go through our, our uh, viewing. I guess if you get put into some sort of quarantine. Yeah. And you got yourself two weeks, we've got 52, 52 movies. We do. And you could watch through and you could, you could find out what order that they should go in, what, or viewing order gives the best appreciation of a certain theme or, or concept of science fiction. I think so. We have talked heavily about religion tonight. So let's course correct and talk about science. Well, this is the science of religion. No, it's not science <laughs> of religion. Prove it all wrong, Surrey. Tell me some science. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm beginning a bit shaky over here on all this religious talk. I need some science injected into me. Give it to me. Sure. On me. The fantastic thing that this movie introduces is the multi-worlds interpretation of Ooh, quantum yeah. physics. Nice. Which uh, is mentioned by Thomas, which is Robert Redford's character. Mm. He talks about uh, when they finally record it, they go, oh, you're not going to... Uh, it's not just another plane, it's another plane uh, of this existence. Yes. Which... Uh, which is this uh, multi-worlds theory. And this is commonly used in a lot of different ways in science fiction. Sometimes it's used uh, for time travel. Sometimes it's used to explain, you know, jumping between locations. Mm. In fact, the, the book, if I'm remembering correctly, Starship Troopers, Starship Troopers, the book, oh man, I could be getting mixed up with Ender's Game, in that their space jumping mm. was actually skipping between parallel universes. Right. So when you traveled, you know, by hyperspace or whatever it was, many light years at a time, you weren't traveling many light years within the same universe. Right. Yep. You're actually skipping to a different universe in a different place. Uh-huh. Which, of course, makes you think, well, hold on, that means, so we just left everyone behind. But yeah. they point out, you're skipping to another universe that is essentially entirely the same universe, uh-huh. except for maybe a couple of atomic differences here and there. And the other difference being that you're not where you were, you're at this new location. Yeah. But simultaneously, another ship would be coming into that other universe. So all these spaceships jumping, making the same jump, all just skipping along one atomic width of universe. But anyway, <laughs> so it's been used in a number of different ways. And in this one, it's been used for life after death, which I think I've spoken a little bit about this in a previous, previous episode. We've done this for a couple of years, so bear with me. Maybe Event Horizon? Uh, maybe, but 
or is that more black holes? I think. Well, well, let's take you back. Let's let's go back to 1935, okay. where uh, Einstein, Podolsky, and Rosen, mm. as in you know Einstein and Rosen, <laughs> Einstein Rosen Bridge, which I, is a wormhole. Yeah. So in this same series of uh, publications and lectures, Einstein is talking about the nature of quantum superpositions. Mm. And this this fellow, this um, uh, disagrees. He says it's, it's quite preposterous. And he says this thing called the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics requires that a quantum system, so like an electron or mm. a photon or something, yeah, uh, remains in superposition, which is to say uh, its exact location or speed or some attribute of it is unknown and it could be anything until you measure it. Right. And it is all things at the same time until that measurement is taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, the the usage of this then is, for example, an electron can be in an upspin or a downspin, which is mm. these two states it can be in. Yeah. But you don't know what state it is in until you shoot like a photon at it and bounce a photon off it and you find out what, you know, and then you read the photon, which says, oh, it was in an upspin. Right. But they do this lots of different times and it's it's random, like there's no way of determining it. Mm. So they're saying that the, until you do that, the electron is in both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So this fellow, you've, I'm sure you've heard of him, uh, is Erwin Schrodinger. He mm. said, uh, that sounds a little bit kind of silly and uh, I don't agree that that is the case because here's a thought experiment. He says, you get a, a box, you stick a cat in it with some cyanide and the little capsule of cyanide, and a hammer. And the hammer is rigged up to a trigger that is um, you know, triggered by the release of a neutron from a decaying of, atom. Of course, poor cat, but okay. Yes. So this atom, this neutron, you don't know when this neutron is going to decay. Mm-hmm. Like it's not possible until you measure its decay. Yep. So there's this cat in this box, which means from the external adv- uh, viewer, the cat is in a state of superposition along, you know, entangled with this decay of things because it's both alive and dead until you open the box to find out whether, in fact, it has died. Right, yeah, so you don't know until you open the box. Yes, yep. you observe it. Yeah. And he, and he uses this as an example. Of the, it's, that's how Does a tree it, fall in the woods if how, no one's there? How silly this is. Like, yeah. this, this can't be true. But, of course, it got people to thinking. And there's a guy, <laughs> cat in the box. Yeah, I want to do that experiment. Yeah. No, well, well, there's this guy. Um, yeah, what was his name? Hugh Everett the Third. Of course, in, Hugh. Good old Hugh. In 1957, he said he, he's looking at this. He's looking at the quantum physics because in the quantum world, we're talking about uh, quantum being a smallest possible unit of something. So a photon mm. is the quantum of electromagnetic charge. Yeah, uh, tiny. It's, it's, you can't get smaller than one photon. No. As far as we know. Yep. Probably you can't. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. Anyway. No. The, so quantum physics is dealing with that sort of level of, of yeah. stuff. Teeny tiny. And the quantum physics problem is when you're down at that level, things can't be determined until you determine them. Mm. Like you can't make a prediction. Uh, is this electron upspin or downspin? Like, if you drop a rock, you can make a prediction it's going to fall to the ground under the influence of gravity. Mm. Easy. Macro scale, all works. Uh, at this little tiny scale, 
you shoot a photon at a, um, a very thin metal plate, will it hit the plate or will it appear on the other side and continue and hit the sensor? Apparently it'll do both at various right. times. And they've, they've shown this, I'm sure you've seen the light interference pattern where this, yeah. where, where one stream of photons somehow passes through two gaps at the same yeah. time and you can tell because they interfere with each other on the other side. Yes. So you've got these, these weird behaviours and this is that whole superposition, you don't know stuff. And that's the, the standard explanation is that you describe these quantum particles as a mathematical formula mm. called a wavefront equation which describes all of their possible um, attributes. Right, right. Where it could be, how fast it could be moving, what it's up, spin, down, spin, left, spin, so forth is. And until this equation uh, is solved, mm. and you can't solve it until you make an observation because there's like missing piece. Yeah. Then that's called the wavefront. And as soon as you solve it, bang, it becomes one thing. Like as soon as you fire the photon, the photon comes back and you look at the nature of the fo the return photon. Now you know one of the features. And once you fill in that figure, the whole uh, equation solves. Yeah, right. And you get one definite point. Mm -hmm. So they're saying the, the, the classical thing is that basically that's the case. The observer collapses this wavefront. Suddenly it has a definite situation. So yeah, you okay. fire the photon at a um, you know, bit of foil, tin foil, and our sensor picks it up on the other side. It has passed through. We know where it is. Uh. Uh, or in fact, we fire it. We know it's left, but it doesn't hit the sensor. It got hit by the, you know, stopped by the plate. Mm -hmm. So we have an answer. But until we get either of those results, it's, we don't know. Yep. Schrodinger said that's kind of silly because if you don't know, then yeah, you've got this cat. Everett came along and he said, okay, well, how about this then? What if we consider it from the cat's point of view? Mm. Say you're sitting in a room by yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a gun pointed at your head, mm -hmm. the back of your head. You can't see this gun. Mm. And its trigger is hooked up to a monitoring device that monitors the you know, spin of an electron. And it's going to take observations to find out whether it's upspin or downspin. And if it's upspin, the gun shoots and blows your brains out. Mm -hmm. This situation, of course, means in that your death will be so sudden that you couldn't possibly know the outcome of the observation. Right, yeah. So you're, you're, you're binary. You're either dead or you're alive. Yep. And you don't know if you're dead. Yep. And you don't know when the gun went off. In this situation, you are in superposition. And since, however, you are observing your life, because you think therefore you are. Yes. Therefore, you will never die from this. You will always be alive because your observation is always of life. Yes. Yeah, I can follow that. And this, is, this thought experiment follow, flows into this movie. This is kind mm. of where this movie is coming from. So from your point of view, you will always be alive because you can only observe yourself being alive. Yeah. And the only way this can work, though, because, of course, we have all observed things and people dying. But from their point of view, they have not observed it. Yeah. So their own 
so what happens so one of the possible explanations for this then is the multi-world interpretation as opposed to the collapsing wavefront the collapsing wavefront says there is only one set of everything yes and it has a definite form at the point at which it is observed mm -hmm. and macroscopic features such as you or i are constantly observing therefore we are not quantum superposition but really really tiny stuff which flits between matter and so forth is you know quantum in its mm. nature the multi-worlds interpretation says well that's kind of complicated to deal with what happens if it wasn't just quantum say sized things that were in a superposition but all of reality is in a constant superposition mm. so every yeah. option is present simultaneously yes. at all times because we know that time and Robert Redford's character says this time is an illusion that we create in order to make sense of our observation yep uh, and indeed if you look at the um, mathematics that defines and well, not that defines describes and predicts uh, you know particle physics particle decay and movements and so forth time is unimportant like the direction of time doesn't matter the equations still work out yeah so and and indeed from something traveling at the speed of light there is no time mm -hmm. so photons are not subject to time but we nonetheless observe them vibrating with a wavelength mm. of time so that's us putting that on there yeah so multi-worlds interpretation or, or one of this several slight variations but what we're talking about in this movie here is every possibility is existing at all times we are observing and therefore existing within a possibility mm. and traveling with that possibility yeah. but at the same time there's us also in every other possibility yeah and so when one possibility dies it stops observing mm. but we are possibly still observing therefore we are still existing yeah, until such worlds. point as there is going to be some finite set of conditions where there is no possibility of there being a mark or a surrey yeah like you know that's that is one of the possibilities and that will become dominant eventually mm. uh, so robert redford in this his character saying where he's he's basically sort of saying this multi-world interpretation is such that when you die your afterlife is actually you continuing in one of these other worlds yeah and of course time is neither starting or ending is neither forward or backwards which means the point at which you're observing in these other universes is could be at a different arbitrary yeah, really yeah. Yeah, yeah and of course the, the spin they're putting on it here is it's you know you the, as I said, this Eastern philosophical on where you're you're moving towards enlightenment. Yeah, so, so you, you go, keep going back to all your regrets. You, yeah. you keep repeating your mistakes yep. until you grow mm. and overcome those mistakes. Yes, that's that's the philosophical point of it. But yeah, so that's the multi world. And there's a great bit of reading here. It's an article on the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, written by Lev. Oh, what is his last name? I want to get him right. Uh, Lev Weidman, he's an Israeli chap, 
and it's a really fascinating read. He wrote it in 2014, but it talks about um, yeah, the quantum state of object and, and how you build up this concept of the multi-world interpretation and how we are made up of uh, atoms and atoms are made up of quarks and electrons and, mm. and so forth. So why are we not just, you know, every us in the universe, we're all made of the same energy, but in different, you know, configurations mm. or states. And it's all super states. So, so it will melt your brain. But <laughs> the, the multi-world interpretation requires fewer convolutions than does the, the standard interpretation, mm. where you've got to assume that, there's something special about observing. Whereas yeah. in the multi-world, there's nothing special about observing because yeah. everything is there. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> sure, we're talking about one particular version of what we've seen. Yes. But that's because we're seeing it. Yes. We are also seeing every other option. Yeah. But I like this quantum immortality in that so long as there is a possible or plausible universe where you exist you will always observe yourself existing there. Mm, yeah, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? So it's like, yeah, we're, we're there. But yeah, we're just always there. Yeah, the, the sad thing is, have you heard that paradox about the runner running away from the car? So the car starts, it's like, so the runner is running at, you know, 10 kilometers per hour. The car is driving towards him, you know, chasing behind him at 20 kilometers per hour. Right, yeah. So in the first hour... The runner goes 10 kilometers and the car goes 20 kilometers. Yeah. And so now the gap between them is five kilometers. Mm. And then in the next, you know, half an hour or whatever, or the next 10 minutes, the, the next five minutes, up. you know, the car is catching up. But as long as you keep slicing that time, the car will never hit the runner because it's asymptotic. Right. You, know, yeah. you keep dividing the time and the car will get infinitely close. Yeah. But we'll never hit. Mm. Except we all yeah. know. That that's because you're hitting an asymptote of time. Once you click over that extra second, yeah. then it happens. So this quantum immortality faces a similar problem in that you don't die so suddenly like a gunshot, like this imagined scenario with this gun yeah, rigged yeah. up. It's more the case of, yeah, you, you start choking to death, you're a little bit dead, you're unconscious, mm. slowly your heart stops, the body cools, you know, like it's all yeah. graduations. And certainly in between each of those graduations, you could say there's a chance you're alive and so you are. Yeah. Except again, you reach this asymptote of time where there's some finite wall where you step over that one extra second or that one extra quanta of time. Yeah, and you'd be gone. And you're dead. Yeah. And between that, that's where you live forever. So, mm. so anyway, that's, that's multiple art. It's a huge, it's, it's a fairly sizable document. It's very interesting to read. Yes, um, it would be. And it goes into all of this stuff and like even down to you know, what sort of social behavior would a believer in the multi-worlds interpretation, which is much mm. like the, these people who are suiciding. Yeah. Would a multi-worlds person be reckless because yes. I could jump off a cliff and there's going to be some universe in which I'm not jumping off a cliff. That's right, yeah. I could, yeah. I could do whatever I wanted. And, but uh, yeah, so he, he does go into that a little bit and... and talks about some of it which is that's brilliant stuff which is quite it's quite fascinating yeah, so, definitely. so i'll leave you at that they look it up multi-world interpretation uh lev uh, get get you again lev vidman v-a-i-d-m-a-n 
and this is on the Stanford uh, Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Mm. Fantastic in depth, and I think it is what the filmmakers are probably ultimately uh, trying to suggest is that it's a it's a really interesting thought experiment. Yeah, about yeah. Uh, and a lot of these science fiction films, and that's where science fiction comes from. Is of course a thought experiment of you know yeah yeah what what, what if, if oh, what if, if a black hole connected you to you know uh, another dimension like in Event Horizon? Yeah. Goodness me. I, yeah. I'd rather it's more like the beyond where you get connected to an alien world and the aliens take pity on us and don't wipe <laughs> us out. Yeah. That would be much nicer. Rather than the evil force. Yeah, no, definitely. So that's, yeah, that's some really interesting information. And yeah, that concept of a multi-universe being on every action we create, there's a reaction, and but there's multiple versions of ourselves in that moment in time. Like yeah. a ripple, a constant ripple, you know, like... But I always wonder with that is, is where how micro does it get? Well, it it would be down to the smallest quanta yeah, photon, which would mean it just just be like this endless amount of well, decisions. What it, it means like, is that the universe itself is one enormous wavefront equation. Yeah, with you know such a fantastic number of variables in it, mm. and. You can imagine. Let's let's pretend you're a god as mm. such, and you're looking at the wavefront that is the universe. That's the same as us looking at this electron, yeah, or Schrodinger's cat. You know, so there's this. We know there's an electron there. We know there's a universe there, but we don't know how it's doing anything mm. until we, you know, because there's, there's so many variables, but you know, one of them or all of them aren't known. We've got to yeah. measure something. We've got to go have a look. And go, you know, let there be light. Yeah. And boom, suddenly you can see the universe according to that measurement. Mm. And if you were some sort of um, uh, god or or you were doing a, like we're talking about the matrix and simulations, Mm. then you could undo that. Uh, And this is one of the issues raised in the multi-world with the standard one. Okay, so now you undo that observation, return it back to the super state, and make a different measurement. Mm. And then you'll see what the universe is like. And so that's the matrix simulation, isn't mm. it? Where you go, if we could get an advanced enough computer system where we could simulate the universe, and we're trying to do this not with universes, but with all sorts of things, protein mm. folding, with um, trying to detect faces in a crowd, whatever. Mm. So we've got this big massive data, which we can't, it just <coughs> looks like nonsense. Mm. So we want to go this set of variables does mm. that make sense yeah yeah so yeah that's that's really mind-blowing stuff it is mind-blowing stuff and it's it's brought up in this film the discovery so let us know what you thought about what we thought about the discovery tell us what you think is right and wrong and anything else in between ah tell- i see your swats is as big as mine <laughs> it's exactly right it is and we're heading towards our next episode, which will be Spaceballs. Spaceballs, a cult movie. Hmm. Where there was there was we, there was some discussion. Would this be a classic? There was. was. That, we're thinking it. Uh, it's not really genre defined enough. It's, it's a Mel Brooks. Uh, it's an eighties. It was a big defining moment of my childhood. Uh, also, every time I say I'm doing the Space Brains podcast, my wife says Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, 
Maybe we got that wrong. Sorry, maybe we should space, space brains balls. have space balls? That's you very good. We will answer that on the next the, episode. The Brooks estate would sue us. They probably would, yeah. Even but my just wife for comedy. Okay. <laughs> so let us know. You can hit, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There's going to be another website. We don't have enough of them out there with space brains, so there's going to be more of them out there. Uh, and just let us know your comments, please. You know, tell us what you think about the films. Tell us what you think about what we're talking about with the films. Let us know. Film request. Um, or film challenge. Film challenge. I I have a feeling there are people out there wondering, uh, you know, they, they think maybe they've got a film where they wonder what is good or great about this film. That's very true. And We'll take that challenge. We will definitely take that challenge. So, yeah, hit us up. Check out The Discovery. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.